A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Wheel of Time podcast. We are the Lorehounds, your guides to Randland. I'm David. I'm John, and this is our coverage of the Amazon Prime fantasy series, The Wheel of Time. In this podcast, we're going to do a scene-by-scene breakdown of Season 2, Episode 3, What Might Be. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our September podcasting schedule, followed by the inaugural White Tower segment, where Alicia Sedai and I deep dive into the lore of the books. For early and ad-free access to all of our podcasts and a whole ton of exclusive content, visit us at patreon.com slash the lorehounds. Also, we'd love to ask if you're enjoying what we do, consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best place to help raise our profile, even as far away as the Aiel Waste. Special for the Wheel of Time, we have a new feed set up just for this show. So if you're only interested in this content, you can subscribe to that channel. However, there's a ton of other fantasy and science fiction and nerdy TV and video games and books that we cover, which you can find on our main feed, The Lorehounds, which you can find on YouTube or Spotify or any other podcasting platform you'd like to use. We love to respond to your questions, thoughts, and theories on air. So send us feedback for the next episode that we record. We'll re- read those in. And as a reminder, recording these episodes in advance with screeners. So your feedback may be cycled in a little bit later on an episode. Send emails to WOT at the lorehounds.com or head to our website and either use the voicemail feature or the contact form. You can also post a message on our Discord server, and we can include those as well. Link in the show notes for all of that. David. Yes, sir. Your first run through this story, what'd you think? Uh, this episode was tough. <laughs> really? <laughs> there, Yeah, I found it really... Um, there was a lot of physical violence. There was yes, a lot of yeah. emotional violence. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of a rough episode. Uh, Do you mean rough in its content or rough as as a, a story? Like, did you not like the story? Oh, no, the, the story construction was fine. It was oh, a well-paced See, that, episode. That's a very different thing than I thought you were saying at first. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, no, the well-paced, well-constructed. There was a lot of stuff that I really liked. I love the fact that with Nynaeve's character and going through the arches, they didn't interrupt that or weave it through 
any other plots. I mean, obviously with the one yeah. sort of exception, um, but that was fine. But just, you know, with sort of, a, it's not even a cold open. I mean, we're getting a title card. And uh, so we'll see what the broadcast are because we're doing screeners. So it's a lukewarm uh, open. Yeah, it's a lukewarm open. There you go. <laughs> My, it was thawed for 30 seconds in the microwave. Right. right. Um, but I'm, I'm really appreciative of the fact that they let that story line run, that plot run, and really build an emotional impact in us for what she was going through and just these horrible things and then falling into the arms of her lover and the birds sing and the rainbows come out and all of that. That was just lovely. That was like a really great way to tell that story encapsulated. So the construction of the episode overall was great. I think it was a little confused at the ending, but we can talk it through, you know, like he set the place on fire. I was like, wait, what was that a dream? Was he really? Oh no, that's definitely like a blaze. Yeah. 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 No, I just the sequencing. It was just seemed a little, little odd. That, that was a little weird. I agree with that. Yeah. So all in all, uh, for for but but that said, all of that said, I enjoyed the episode. I I loved seeing the depth, you know, getting into the deeper stories and motivations of the characters. And also, a lot of this episode, I just had to not uh, I like just go. I don't understand this. I don't know what this is about. I don't know why this is happening. It is what it is. I just have to accept it and. I know I've got a great podcast to listen to and we'll figure it out. There you go. And we'll we'll see what happens down several episodes. And so just just setting aside any questions I had and just accepting it. So there's a lot in this episode where I was just like, hmm, okay. I don't know what to say about that. Yeah. Like there were no production yeah. problems. There were no acting problems. There was no script problems. It was just, it played out nicely. It was just a well-delivered piece of television. The thing about The Wheel of Time is that it is so long that well, the concepts are complicated sometimes, you have a long time to figure out how they work. Okay. And there is a struggle in translation there with you have less time in a, in a, a show than you do in a book to help the reader rem- remember what a Terran Grial is, which <laughs> we can go through in here. Um, boy, we are about to be introduced to many words that will make you go, what? And, okay. Uh, <laughs> Robert Jordan was not pithy in his <laughs> Can no- I, naming. I'm going to segue weirdly. Uh, we are continuing our read through of the Silmarillions, uh, the Silmarillion in our yep, podcast, yep. the Silmarillion stories. And this was what chapter 10 of the Sindar uh, mm-hmm. that we were catching up. So I was listening to the audiobook of it while I was doing chores and stuff today. And you want to talk about a list of proper nouns. Yep. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is going on? And I had to laugh because on our Dune podcast with Properly Howard, yeah, our, our yeah. network affiliates, when we were talking about the uh, Denis Villeneuve film, you were complaining about the list of proper nouns. Listen, I, was, I don't know what it is. I do not know what it is about <laughs> Dune that has defeated me. I can handle Tolkien and it's fine. And I can handle Robert Jordan and it's fine. This is what I'm saying. And, and Dune just, <laughs> for some reason, my brain turns off when I read Dune. That's hilarious because the proper nouns or there's the one scene in in this episode with the uh, weird people from overseas and the long fingernail lady, the Shanshan. Uh, yeah. Yes, thank you, the Shanshan. Uh, and there was a whole bunch of lore dump there, and I was like, "Where are these places? What is going on? Who are these people?" And I just had to laugh right. because you because Dune broke you, and Dune is not. 
<laughs> not that hard. <laughs> I know. Well, the Shanshin, that's supposed to be kind of shocking and confusing to you because it's shocking and confusing for the characters, right? It works. It works Suddenly, Suddenly, there's these invaders from overseas who are telling you, you've forgotten that we were actually your rightful rulers. And we're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a there's a lot to talk about to that scene. So we'll uh, I'm I'm biting my tongue because I got questions. Right. right. So. Yeah, I'll I'll give my general impressions quickly. I love the episode. I thought, you know, Alicia said to me something early that said, I don't know why they did three. They could have ended after one on the premiere. Uh-huh. But if they were going to end after one, they should have done three and not two. So she's she's glad it's a three drop and not a two drop because okay. Episode three, I think, is a lot stronger than episode two. I felt that way just from a television storytelling standpoint. Yeah. 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 It seemed it it was a solid episode of television. Yeah. And episode two wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It wasn't. But it was not as good as episode one and not nearly as good as episode three, which I think is the strongest episode of the season so far. Okay. Okay. And uh, they did a lot of nods to the books without Mm -hmm. lingering, which was very good. They shocked me in some points by taking changes that I think worked, but were very violent and shocking. Okay. Um, and they are developing certain plot lines faster than I thought that they would, but also in very interesting ways that are surprising and delighting me, as we like to say. Okay. So as a book reader so far, three episodes in, we're not even broadcast live yet. We're... Uh, right, or screener, right. or ahead on screeners here, you are on track. You are mm-hmm. you're feeling. You're in the zone. This is this this is turning out well. I feel like they are capturing the characters, which is the important part. The important thing. They are not yeah. following the story note for note at all. They can't. Who can? Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's they a could have a little bit more. Let's be honest. But <laughs> okay. Uh, but they uh, in, in this season, I like the way that they're taking things from where they left it at season one. I think they're on a great track for season two. I'm really looking forward to where they go from here. There's things that you've said in these episodes that make me think that it's working for non-book readers. Okay. Because you are uh, you are being taken in by what the show is telling you, and I love that. Okay. And I am going to love watching you digest <laughs> changes that may okay. come down the line. <laughs> so I will say this as a as a non book reader, and we'll go into sort of our our notes about the context of where we're approaching this from. But if I were not a you know interested party uh, in science fiction, in fantasy, and in you know everything from MCU to Tolkien, whatever. This would be not the easiest show to onboard me with. Yeah. So this is this is make if you want to take that um, uh, a spectrum again, kind of a slider approach. Uh-huh. I think we're we're on on the side of this is a show for the book readery science fiction fantasy sure, nerd. Sure. This At is least people not, who like. Tolkien soup, right? They they yes. they want more of that. It's not like I could see someone watching Game of Thrones first and then enjoying this. I think that that's totally that's fine. a reasonable transition. We're watching the Lord of the Rings movies and then watching this. Right. I don't think you're going from just watching Die Hard to watching this. You know? No, and even if you're just adjacent to like, oh, I enjoy a, a light fantasy or a light sci-fi kind of thing, if there is such a thing. But anyway, you know what I mean. If sure. you're adjacent. Sure. 
I think like Neil Gaiman would be considered that, right? Like mm, this, yeah, a little bit of magical realism, you know, things like right. that. So, so yeah, we're definitely on the side of you. It, it the 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 more you are into these kinds of worlds and world building and type of storytelling, the easier it is going to be. The the as you get to that midpoint, it gets much much harder. I think yeah. because there is a lot of culture and lore and magic and names and who is this character and why are they right, doing this right. and what the hell is this about? So if you just dropped into season two, you know, you've, there's a lot of swimming that you're, you're going to have right. to do to, to stick with it. Yeah. But what, this is one of the best selling book series ever is. I mean, it's a huge, I'm not, I'm not sure. It's very well selling. I'm, I'm just not sure. I don't where know. Yeah. I don't know where yeah. the numbers are, but right. The, the, the fandom is solid and big, right? Yeah. Well, so. but, but we know that you can't rely on a fandom to pump up the numbers for a TV show. You're just not going to make all the money back that you need to make yeah, for that. No. So, so I, I don't think that they need to rely on just the wheel of time fandom. I think fantasy fans generally will Should really love be this. Fine with this. And I, yeah. I think honestly, if you start with season one and you maybe rewatch it once <laughs> and, and you really, and maybe you have some podcasts to help you through, I I'm think sure this some... is fine to, is it your first fantasy series? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think the first one is recognizably Tolkien adjacent, which helps you get through that story, right? It's a pretty straightforward story season one. And now we're starting to take off some of the veils of Tolkien and get underneath and see right. how different this world is. Right, right. I think that's important. And I think it's good job security for podcasters. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. We're you we're go. your companions, you know? And I think I think the model here that we have between you from me to you to Alicia is a good uh, uh broad spectrum so that we can really uh cater to to yeah. everybody's um level of interest and engagement. So Yeah. Well, cool. David. Yes. Maybe we should get to our production notes before we get to the recap. Yes. Um, and that is, we kind of review these every episode just to make sure folks understand our context and and not assume what, you know, make assumptions about what we are and what we're not. I've never read the books. I didn't even hear of these until John, until the first season. <laughs> John, you've read the, the, the whole series at least once. Yeah, and you're working yeah. on a second run or something. You've read a lot of other I've, ones. I've around. read a couple of them three times, but then most of them I've read twice. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, we've got screeners for episodes one through four, so we're recording ahead. So when episode one through three drop, we have a podcast ready to go for you, and we're gonna just stagger those slightly so that we don't, yeah. you know, crush the servers. Uh, but those will all be out once the Amazon embargo lifts so that, you know, um, you'll be we'll be right there with you as you're watching them and as you need. We're not going to spoil ahead with the books, but John, I think you're going to make comparison with events that already happened in the show. Correct. Yeah. So if something happened differently in the book, I'll I'll make note of it. Maybe maybe not always because it's not always important, but I think that where right. important changes happen, right. we will bring them in. And then, as we mentioned uh, earlier, at the end of the podcast, so we'll finish this. We'd normally then have some feedback, and then we talk about our um, upcoming schedule, and we give a shout out to our Patreon uh, subscribers. And then after that, 
you and Alicia are going to go into your White Tower segment where you're going to go yes. deep into the boat. You, now, you've already recorded that, that before. We did. Yeah. You it was almost an hour. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, this will be a quick one. Uh, it's an I know. <laughs> and so that'll be at the very end of the podcast. So stick through to the end. And then that way, those of you, when you, you know, when we get to the outro and stuff like that, uh, as, as I leave, you can leave with me if you don't want to be spoiled. Very cool. Very cool. David, it's time for the breakdown. Yes. Shall we begin? Let's go. The Aes Sedai explain the Terre Angrial arches to Nynaeve. They say the arches will bring her face to face with her greatest fears three times. There are two disclaimers. Once she begins, she must continue to the end or be put out of the tower. The second is that some women have gone in and never come back. She may refuse to go in three times before being put out of the tower. David, what did you think about this arch scene? Uh, there's a lot that I liked about it. I don't want to be, don't, don't take this the wrong way, but it was a very, uh, Christmas Carol, you know, you'll be visited by three <laughs> ghosts. Um, and each one sort of increasing with this intensity and, and whatnot. Uh, I thought that the setup was good. I liked the, the three I said, sisters there, the setup, the mistress of of novices. We don't know who the middle Aes Sedai is. She's yeah, I'm not blue. sure her name. Yeah, uh, we've seen her before around the keep and and stuff like that. And then Leandrin, who's the one who's you know pushing this. I like that Leandrin seeds the idea that some might not make it back, and that that's yeah. what's going to kind of happen here. Well, everyone gets that warning when they do this. They right, always that- get that warning. Yep. But from a story standing storytelling standpoint, that right, right. it works. It it, it right. works for for us to prime our, our our sort of pump. I don't know. I I mentioned this on the last podcast. One of the arches is whole. The other two are broken. I don't know what that means. I don't know if there's a later significance or if that's just like production people. I don't eat. think that's. Yeah, I think that's just uh, production people detail. having fun because they seem I think to part of it is. Fine. Well, they're they're explaining that these come from the age of legends, right? So right. this is an uh, a, an art that has been lost. Right. Either they're not powerful enough, or they don't know how to make these terangriol anymore. And a terangriol is something that does a very specific thing with the one power. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't even require anyone to channel into them. They just use the natural channeling energy of the world, and they work. Uh, these ones do require Aes Sedai to channel into them to make them work. Which was a cool thing to see all three of them in synchronicity and yeah, you yeah. Know, firing them off. And it seemed like it took something from them too. They were all a little bit like, whoa, you know, that was, that was takes, a lot of power. Takes a lot of, takes a lot of energy out of you, you know? Yeah. Uh, at, even though, I, so, okay, you might not make it back and then indeed she doesn't, but at the same time. I was like, well, Nynaeve's got a lot of plot armor, so I'm not too worried. She does have a lot of plot armor. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking like, all right, I know she survives, but yeah. I don't think anyone else is going to doubt this either. Right. And so I just was, in my mind, I was like, okay, let me play it out. And I got, I actually was got. I I was like, whoa, wait, this is interesting. Maybe she's going to be in here for a little while. And it was very Star Trek Generations-y for, for those okay. of you who've seen that where- there's this ribbon of energy. Uh, uh, Andy McDowell's character, or, or uh, oh, it's McDowell. What's his first name? Gosh, I can't think of it. Um, and 
Picard goes in there and encounters uh, Kirk who's in there and they're kind of stuck in there. And it's this very idealistic world. And at some point there's a sort of repetition and whatnot that doesn't, if, if you're aware enough, if you, if you can kind of feel the edges of the illusion, you're like, Oh, wait a minute, this is weird. And so I got that vibe later on. Yeah. And so it was interesting to see how, the whole thing was going to play out. And I find it very interesting that she got a second chance, which is not a normal thing, I would guess. No, no one has ever come back out. Exactly. She's the first one to ever do it. Which I thought was a... So it was like, okay, Nynaeve's got plot armor. Fair enough. How are they going to tell me... How They they box themselves into a little corner here. How are they going to get out? Cool. They did a good job getting out. Do you think that there is a multiverse in the Wheel of Time? even if they don't call it that it 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 certainly feels like it's possible doesn't it um we know that there's a big long timeline because of a scene that they dropped in season one um i well i don't know let's there's more to talk about so maybe ask me that at the end of the sequence of this sequence okay well, why don't we get to, into the first arch? Yes. Nynaeve agrees to go through the trial, being told the one power will not be available to her and that the way back will come but once. The Aes Sedai activate the arches and Nynaeve walks through to find herself as her childhood self with her parents. Though the experience begins peacefully, raiders attack her family. Her mother and father hide her underneath the floorboards and her father tells her in the old tongue, we shall go into the land so our children can always hold us and will never be alone. Her parents are attacked, and she readies herself to help them. But the arch appears behind her with Sherryam's narration, and Nynaeve leaves through it. This was heartbreaking. Yeah. I um, thought it was nice character development and backstory for Nynaeve, so I really understand some of the trauma that her character has lived and why or you know what are the things that might be motivating her or why is is she the way how does she carry herself on the through the world okay i can see some of the roots of that and uh so yeah it gave me a really nice dunk into her her life and yeah. then they didn't belabor it. They didn't push the the mirage too far. It it, it showed us a primal fear for her, you know, of right, loss right. and separation. And then there's like, boom, there's the arch. Walk through it. Now we've right. got mechanics. Now we've got plotting. Now we've got character backstory. So I thought it was really efficient and, yeah. and highly effective. Right. And we heard this story a bit secondhand okay. in season one when Moraine... Uh, she translates the old tongue for Nynaeve for, okay. because Nynaeve recounted a bit of this. And she said, this is what my parents said to me. And she said, you know, we shall go into the land, blah, 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 uh, which is a lovely thing to say. And also really heartbreaking of, well, all you'll have left of me is soil. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so good. I mean, it, it, it established rules for, for these journeys and, and, um, uh, yeah, we really get to see some, we start right off with some very core motivation. So yeah, it was all yeah. good. Now, uh, I almost said naive. Alicia uh, pointed out in our spoiler section that 
the first challenge was different for Nynaeve in the books. She actually went back to the battle at Faldara and okay. experienced some of that. Uh, but as, as Alicia said, I'm glad that we didn't go back there because mm. that battle did not go well in the show. We okay. That was not very enjoyable in the show. So this no, was I think a great this was way good. to bring in her character motivation. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, so the eyes to die pour water over Nynaeve, washing her clean of her sins and the sins committed against her. They tell her no one knows if what happened inside the Terangriel is real, as some women keep their wounds and some don't. So, yeah, they have to heal Nynaeve, right? Because she's she's got that wound from being pinned down. Yeah. And I <laughs> when the water came dumping on her. I was like, well, that's rude. And uh, <laughs> but it's like uh, a baptism, right? Yeah, it was exactly right. what it is. And and once I sort of got over that sort of like, whoa, that was a bit of a shock, which I'm sure for her, it was a shock. So good job right. show, right. because if that's what you were trying to tell me she's feeling, I felt it as well. So cool. Right. Well, it's um, whiplash. It's total whiplash for her. Right. Yeah. So this idea, this ritual of absolution, I, I love that it's both psychological and somatic that there is a, a physical that goes along with the words and the, the, um, you know, we, your, you know, your soon to be sisters, we absolve you, you're absolved. We went through this, you're going through this. We understand we are one within this, you know, pain and sort of trauma and it's all washed away. And like, I really, really liked this when, the show goes deep in these lore things like they did with the world construction stuff of uh, the warders in season one. They're really creating. I don't know how much of this is, you know, book or, or show creation. It's certainly visually show creation, but it feels good and it feels. Uh, oh, of like the ritual itself. The water. No, this dumping is, this is straight up from the books. Yeah. They, the they water dumping. The and the, okay. Great. Yeah. I think I think the only difference is I think Nynaeve is more clothed in the show mm-hmm. than she okay. is in the books because the books were written by a man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, I did notice that when they were healing her, the weave magic was a mixture of blue and gold uh, weave colors. So, um, yeah. like I said I, in one of the earlier podcasts, I, I'm just sort of paying attention to the yeah. weave magic yeah. stuff. So it's looking good. And and I like that, you know, it's like, Oh, if I'm going to do this particular effect, I'm going to channel some fire. I'm going to blow some shit up or I'm going to heal somebody or whatever, um, that they're paying attention to the colors and the, the way that that is being created and, and into effect. So, you know, nice right. little details. Yeah, I, I like that they have colored the weaves. That That is better as the visual language in the show. Yeah. You can't even see the weaves unless you're another woman channeling right. uh, and in the book. So there's no point in following the books exactly for this because we want to see visual effects in the show. Do what looks best. And I think that they did a lot better this season so far. The funny too, because Nynaeve in this next scene, which you're going to read, she starts trying to weave and everybody's going, oh, that's cute. <laughs> you're sort of waving <laughs> your hands around and right, right, right. And, you know, yeah. Bibbidi bobbidi boo. Yeah. Let's get there. Nynaeve goes through the arch for a second time to find herself in Emmons Field in the middle of a plague. She speaks to a dying Tam Althor who tells her this fever spread through the two rivers after she left. Natty Cawthon, mother of Matt, has taken over his wisdom and has begun administering deadly herbs to help terminal patients pass on. 
Nynaeve tries and fails to save Tam, then promises to stay with him until the herbs take effect. The arches appear with Sherriam's refrain, and Nynaeve leaves to begin shouting at the Aes Sedai about a plague. <laughs> uh, so this is Mommy Dragon? No, this is Matt's mom. Right, he's the dragon. He's that's mo- it's mommy. It's dra- it, dragon Rand mommy. Is, Rand is the dragon. Who is this? Whose mommy is this? Matt's mom. Oh God! Oh geez! I'm so sorry. I got my head. I'm that's sorry. Right. I jumbled up. <laughs> I got that's confused. All right. <laughs> so then, who's Tam? Tam is Rand's dad. He's dead. Right. That's what I thought. And then yeah. I was reading the notes. And the, okay, so I apologize. Rand's mom is head. dead. Rand, right. That's Rand's what I like, assumed. Raised mom is dead. You did see Rand's mom, his biological mother. Okay. On the slopes when Tam got him in season one. Remember they mm-hmm. did that scene? Oh, uh, that's right. Because he's a kind of a, a, a orphan. He's adoptee. informally adopted. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> right. right. Okay. Right. And uh, we saw his mother was a warrior of sorts. Yes. Right. And she so, went yeah. down fighting, right? If I remember right. Right. She was dying and Tam took the baby and... Uh, so Rand was raised by Tam Althor and his wife who died not long into Rand's childhood. So he's mostly just had his dad his whole life. Cool. So this whole scene, the way they played it and the way that they had the characters reacting to Nynaeve, it felt like it could be contemporaneous in the story world. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, okay, here we go. We're going to the ghost of your past, right? You know, but now we're going to the ghost of your present. Right. And, you know, we're giving you this moral choice. Stay and help these people uh, or go back and, you know, complete your training. Look, right. your training is not complete. Yep. Uh, yep. You know. <laughs> so, what was, what is, and what will be, right? Very much so. And, uh, yeah, so I could really feel her moral dilemma. Do I go back or or do I stay? And I think these are the tests that you're supposed to be being challenged right. with in, in this, you know, by going through these arches. So right. I, I really love this line. Every woman's fears are her property. Like it's your property. It's like you own it. It's real estate. Yeah. But sub out problem for that. And it's problematic, right? Yes. Oh no. It's <laughs> you know, your fear is your problem. Your fear is your problem. Deal well, with and it. she says, you know, do not burden us with yours. Um, and right. I, I was reading something somewhere. Uh, there was some, internet kerfuffle where somebody was recounting like, Oh, remember you can spread joy and happiness. And somebody wrote back like, Oh, how, you know, presuming to, to, you know, understand what makes other people happy. And that's just actually ultimately causing self harm. And it's like, Whoa, like this, you know, this thing sort of spun out of control and and what is yours and what is mine. And, And yeah, we are, we live in society. And we, we, we do share, live in a society. We share burdens <laughs> and we and we are social creatures and we need to be in society and, and share and, and see and be seen. And so I thought it was a, a really interesting line to, to go, yo, that's yours. <laughs> you know, I don't want I don't, do not give that to me. Do not burden me with your your, uh, you know, your drama. Yep. So, yep. Well, speaking of drama, we have one more trial here, Uh, and Nynaeve begins the third trial with a disturbing series of images, including her as a red sister, memories of Lan, and visions of his death. She exits the arch, covered in someone else's blood and unable to remember what she did. When she is offered a great serpent ring, she refuses it, 
yelling about not wanting to be an Aes Sedai if it means turning her back on those in need. Egwene pleads with her to stay, but Nynaeve gives her a pep talk and leaves the White Tower. Outside the White Tower, she meets Len, who heard she was going to the Arches and rushed to Tarbalan. She tells him she's going to the Two Rivers, and he decides to come with her. The Arch appears behind her, but Nynaeve only barely notices and stays within. They faked me out. Until the Arch showed up, they faked me out. Completely. Completely. Um, I wish we had some subtitles in this scene because I wanted to hear the yeah. uh, whispering, but it sound mostly sounded mostly like Lan. Yeah, um, I think so. I think talking so. in the in the voiceover. Yeah, there were definitely. I remember voiceover of him. I think it was just scenes from last season, mostly. Okay, and then but she had his hair tie in her hand at the end, right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Which makes sense why later he has no hair tie. You know. So He's just let, letting it hang loose later. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Later on the thing. So remind me the there they were just romantically interested in each other in season one. I think they slept with each other in season one. Did they? Oh, wh- oh, before the last battle when they were yeah, out yeah, to keep yeah. or something like that. They were sneaking around yeah, and, China and stuff. Right. Okay. So yeah, I was fake. I was totally faked out. I was completely yeah. Like, and I, oh. who read the book, was faked out. <laughs> Fair enough. But I, I will say, in the book, she's not there for like an extended period of time. She is there a little longer, mm-hmm. uh, and she does do the same thing where she makes the arch reappear. But she's not. It's not like a whole day passes, and they're like, "Oh, where is she?" It's it's like minutes. You know, it's just sure. a little extra time. Okay. Well, I mean, it's fair enough because we've got to give some space for Egwene to emote. <laughs> right, right. So she's been a little stone cold for a while, mm-hmm. and she just she just needs to needs to do it. Well, and and this idea of um, you know, am I here for you? Are you here for me? Are we here for each other? I I you know I tried to rescue you. I I kept vigil. Very. Uh, uh, Christian in some ethic here, you know, sleeping outside the cave and, you know, waiting, <laughs> waiting for yeah, you know, somebody yeah. to come. I back see what you're saying. I see where you're going with it. Yep. Yeah. You know, just a light, a light. You know, it's we've yeah. seen that story seasoned before. with Christianity. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I loved the comment. It's all right. The blood isn't yours. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. So ah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. doesn't matter what you did in there. You could have slaughtered millions. Yeah. And this whole uh, Nynaeve is one of my favorite. I I think Nynaeve is my favorite character of the five uh, Emmett's Fielders. Okay. okay. Um, I I enjoy her the most, seeing her the most on screen. Okay. And yet her reaction to saying, I don't want to be a nice to die and, you know, and storming off. I was like, girl, <laughs> dial it down a little bit here. You know, it's, you don't need to be all, you know. Uh, all salty like this. It was it was a little bit much for for me uh, <laughs> for, for her. So I get it. I get where they're going. I get what they're driving at. And of course, it never really happened, right? It happened in her mind or in the in the archway. In, in or does it? Is it is it real? Is it is fake? This, I, is there a multiverse? There's a lot of questions here. Uh, I don't know that you would have seen this. Do you know the Memorex commercials? No. Is it so? Remember, you know, back in the day, we had cassette tapes, and there was a, you know, um, uh, I gotta, I gotta Google this now. Is it live or Memorex? Is it Memorex? I can't remember. No. Okay, I'm gonna have to look for this later. I'll maybe I'll post something in the Discord. Okay. Um, but this idea that you know, 
yeah, fidelity, right? It was a uh, cassette tapes and, and is the fidelity, the fidelity is so good that you can't tell if it's real or, or recorded. So right. these are pretty real. And yeah, so I think that's your question before is, is there a multiverse? Right. There has well, to be by definition that she can, unless these things are going into her brain and she's stepping into some sort of pocket universe and having a hallucination, there has to be some sort of multiversal component happening here. Could be. The wheel weaves. The wheel Let's weaves. Let's do one last scene before we take a break. Outside the arch, Sheriam scolds Leandrin for pushing Nynaeve to enter the arches early, blaming herself too. Leandrin throws the jug of water and screams. Leandrin is having a tough emotional <laughs> time in these this season. Yes, her, she is. The what is her man? Her, her her. I think it's her son. son. It seems to be her son, uh, which she does not have in the book. So that's new to me too. Right, Matt. You know, and all this stuff that going on with Matt because that's a dead end. You know, uh, and and then now with Nynaeve. So yeah, she's she's having a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, she's uh well, I I don't really feel badly for her for dealing with her own prisoner, but mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right, David, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we will go and join Perrin. We're back. Let's resume the episode. After the title sequence, we rejoin Perrin, Loyal, the Shinarans, and the Shanshan. The gagged woman and her handler choose women out of the crowd to take. Then High Lady Surath's speaker gives the Shanshan pitch to the people, declaring the land is theirs by right. They are told to swear oaths to forgive the debt of their ancestors. Uno is selected as first to swear the oath, and is forced to kneel after attacking the Shanjin soldiers. A lot of oh, shh, shh, shh. It's, yes. hard, it's hard to keep <laughs> attacking the Shanjin soldiers. When he spits on the throne, they shove his head onto the throne spike as the soldiers chant the oath for him. High Lady Surath smiles and says, all will bow. The crowd listens with Perrin being last. What'd you think of this, David? This is This is a big scene with a lot happening it is a big scene and a lot happening i have a little bit of criticism here for me as a non-book reader person i felt this went a little bit long and i was a little i didn't understand some of the intensity of this because if these are small folk or common folk What's the point of the big dramatic ceremony? Just, you know, do some stuff, you know, be mean to the common folk, force them to swear oaths, but you, you, it's this big, 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 big thing. And then I don't understand some of the power dynamics here because I apologize. The name of our, um, the forsaken Ishmael. Yeah. Ishmael. Why he's standing in that position and and who this lady is so it it for me it just went a little longer it could have been a, probably a little shorter and some of the stuff was just weird with the fingernails like it it felt very 1970s kung fu movie 
you know, <laughs> the sound okay. effects were, you know, here and there. Huge lore dump. Yes. And all of that said, we're we're ramping, we're we're in, we're adding a whole new element to the story. So I get it and I'm on board with it. I just had a couple of little like, eh, you know, it it like move it along a little bit here. Right. That's Can just me you, though. I'm gonna do a casting note here. Is that Stormfront from the boys? Good point. As I don't the speaker. Know. I yeah. Well, we can't look up the IMDB. <laughs> I know that's, that's the problem. <laughs> All right, write in if you know or not, right. because I I can't I can't confirm or deny this. Could be, but could be. I, she looks like her for sure. Sure. One thing I forgot to say was just you know got to pour one out for Uno here. Uh, I'm sorry I to know. see him exit our stage so quickly. That is not anything from the books, and because of that, I think that they did this scene specifically for book readers to say "fuck you," you don't know what's coming. <laughs> wow okay that's anyone funny. can die right <laughs> that, well which is not anyone let's be honest You're right but, right 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 but yeah. these side characters that you love that robert jordan would refuse to kill off yeah we're not robert jordan daddy jordan mm. is not here to protect these these characters and uh yeah uno just dies and i, I was like jaw on the floor he, he actually died and it's a shame because he was one of my favorite like comic relief characters right 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 he's he's gone the comedy is gone from this troupe so that is interesting to, uh, for me, you know, okay, well, he was just this dude, right? Uh, for you, he means something. Right, right. And so for for him to go out like that, uh, yeah, that is, I, I, I'm glad that the book readers can be shocked a little bit here and and while maintaining some story integrity, right? So right. Yeah. Like died it, in a- it doesn't ruin the story to have him dead, but it did no. shock me as a book reader. And it- it is it works within the story that they're telling uh, it made sense to me within the story framework yeah make an example it was not right? out of order hmm make an example right he was uh you know uh clearly like one of the guards saw that he was going to be trouble and so they you know made an example of him uh, straight right. away they goaded so, him right yeah it it was effective yeah. and and i <laughs> the yeah, it's not a don't pause your VCR uh, during that scene because the, they don't spare the graphics of. of no, that. they don't. It's very bad. <laughs> and uh, do you say VCR? I just realized that. Yeah, I did say VCR. Sorry. <laughs> I'm showing my age. That's there. all right. That's we all used right. to play and pause and you try and get it. It was very. Yeah, it was a difficult thing. So, yeah, uh, it was tough. I Our swear p- to obey, to await and to serve. What an oath. Um, our pride is not worth more than our lives. So good, yeah. wise words there. I think can, he's absolutely right about that. <laughs> can you, without spoiling too much, can you talk about this whole stolen land thing and rightful mm-hmm. air? Uh, you know, what can you, what can you share yeah. about this? Because it was a huge lore dump. Yes, it was a big lore dump. They're leaving out some details, which are kind of vital to the whole story. But okay. essentially, a an army that was very powerful was once driven out of Ranlan and sailed across the sea. And people thought they died on the journey because no one was ever known to come from across the sea. And now their descendants are coming back and saying, well, we used to rule this place and we're about to rule it again. And okay. they're saying, your ancestors all swore to swore allegiance to our ancient kingdom and you've forgotten about your oaths that your ancestors swore 
you're going to retake the oaths will pardon your failure to uphold them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you will be part of the Shanshan Empire. Okay. Uh, <laughs> who did it first, Robert Jordan or, or George R. Martin? <laughs> it seems very, <laughs> but you know, hey, classic, classic storytelling elements here. So, right, right. These, uh, weavers, these, so are these women that are being selected, are they going to be taken to be trained as these gagged? Can I answer that? That's my question. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. They're being um, taken for some purpose. Sure, sure. And you see that the the gagged woman. I know what to call these people. I'm refraining from doing that so that you can find out as the show goes. Okay, cool. Yeah, but, fair enough. But these get this gagged woman is selecting people out of the crowd. We see. So in later in this scene, uh, Lorgain. I'm sorry, um, Logain. Yeah, Logain. Sorry, I apologize. Logain says. Uh, Chandlers can see other chan. Well, you know, I could see you because you had. I this think aura. I think that's his special talent. But okay. Um, but women channelers can see other women channelers, and men ch- male channelers can see other male channelers when they're channeling, at least. So what my headcanon was 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 this scene was this. Um, uh, I don't know what to call this uh, young girl with the thing in her mouth, um, but that she's selecting people who potentially have, you know, who, who have potential to be Chandler's like, why is she doing it? If she's just, you know, choosing people to sacrifice or make example of whatever, but she's going around and she's specifically choosing specific individuals. Uh, it felt intentional and well, okay, well, what's intentional. Oh, we were going to, we're going to make some more of you. We're going to make you into some more of us like us. Cause we I like your more. logic there, David. Okay. Stick with it. All right. Good. So the High Lady Suroth, yeah. what do we think about her and her speaker and how she almost always refuses to speak to the crowd, right? She has someone do it for her. This is where I was a little confused about the power dynamics, too, because if she's this big, powerful person, why is she wasting so much sort of or expending so much time and energy with just common folk? You know, this this feels overbalanced for you know who these people are and who they're trying to oppress you beat us you you know you you sacrifice us you make us swear an oath okay fair enough it it seems just a little bit too much for me and the whole uh it's very ornate uh, i'm not sure how i am with the the ornateness of it all um i don't know mm-hmm. how do you feel for, as a book reader with the i mean I, I really love the portrayal honestly because okay i mean you have one thing which is she will not speak to people lower than her station, which is sure. why she has the speaker. Sure. That makes sense. And you got to remember, she's a high lady, but she's not the empress, right? She is right. a bureaucrat in the end. Right. She is somebody of a, of a lower standard. A conqueror. And what do you have to do when you're sent to go conquer is you have to start building up territory. And sure. so she's got to go from village to village and have them swear oaths to somebody of nobility. And, and be awful and terrible to uh, to scare the bejesus out of uh, right. folks, so that they'll tell stories. Right, exactly. They want they want Shock to be both impressive with the with the ornateness, and they want to be terrifying with the violence. That's the, it's sort of a, a one two punch there. 
the foot soldiers are terrifying. Their their helmets yeah, are yeah. terrifying. So that part is good. Like that that's working on me. Uh, so I guess I've kind of talked myself into understanding uh, the you know the 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 intent the the over the topness of this this scene. So yeah, I I really liked it. I I really like this portrayal. Okay. It's they're deeply unsettling the Shanjun, and deeply. they are supposed to be. Yeah. I don't know what's coming out of her head. If that's hair or feathers, is that part of the helmet? Oh, good question. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's costuming, right? So I, I, I doubt that it's a uh, show stuff. So, right. Uh, question is, is are we going to see her face later at all in, maybe. in coming seasons? Maybe, maybe. And I don't understand why um, Ishmael, it's not Ishmael. I apologize. Ishmael. Ishmael. Yeah, just, put an, just put an A in there and you're yeah, all good. Ishmael is, he seems to be a functionary and less of a, like he's in some ways subservient to her. I think he's an advisor. Look, if if you are a villain trying to take over the world, you're probably going to want your feet, your, your, your hand in a lot of pots, right? Yeah. You're not so. going to want to directly rule these places. When you're corrupting okay. the world, All that's right. how I see it. Is you're okay. you're you're going through, and and he's the father of lies. That's one of his names, right? So he's okay. going through the different leadership, and he's trying to make sure that he's uh, pushing them in the right direction. Okay. All right. Okay. That makes. And we sense. don't know where Suras' allegiances are. You know. Right. All right. Uh, good thing we have a good podcast to explain all this for me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There you go. All right. And don't and don't forget we've got more Forsaken coming. Yeah, right, right. This is not the the this is one of many, right? So Right. Well one of several. Many many is is yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if I would say many, but I'm not one we're not actually sure how many they're gonna bring into the show. That's which is hopefully there are a number of them and some of them don't have a lot of development in the book. So a lot of people think they're gonna start compressing them, which is fine with me. I hope you're surprised and delighted by their choices. Absolutely. Me too. All right, back at the foregate, Rand visits Loghain, who pushes Rand to ask what he wants to ask now that he has spent months working his way to Loghain. He recounts seeing Rand in Tarvalon while he was caged and says Rand was the brightest channeling energy he's ever seen. Rand asks Loghain how to control the channeling, and Loghain says he would only tell him in exchange for a bottle of Gildanin red wine. Must be a good vintage. Well, he's from Gildan, uh, okay. which is why he he wants that. Fair enough. And uh, and and it is a good vintage, you know. That's that's a high quality wine, and that's why Celine goes. You're not getting that in the foregate, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> not around this town. Yeah, I was just gonna say I don't have a lot to say about this scene. Um, I was a little chagrined that Rand was being so obtuse at the beginning. Like, what? I didn't try to, you know, weasel my way to get yeah, this yeah, to you. Yeah. When he's calling him out. And I, and then he, so then Loghain has to do a bunch of exposition. Well, I saw you and channelers can see each other. Da, 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 da. And so it felt for me like I could feel the writers working here when I haven't really felt that up to this point. Uh-huh. And so I just wish that they had found a little different way. I'm I'm on board again with what they're trying to achieve here. They I believe they achieved it. I just felt it was a little bit 
I thought I felt Rand was a little obtuse here. And you know, if you get called out and you're like, dude, I see your play, this is your play. You go, yeah, you got me. That's my play. So let's carry on. You know, when you try to like keep the, 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 the ruse up for too long, it just is a little bit. Well, to, to counter that a little bit, I think Rand had been doing an act for months and he's trying trying to keep up the act. And all of a sudden he just gets called out. out. I would be a little bit short of words too. You know, I would be a little bit clumsy in it too. You know, I, I think we all would is uh, the, the plan has gone awry. You know, Loghain caught on not only that, but Loghain goes also, I remember you. He adds on. (laughs) So part of it is Loghain is very smart. We've learned that he might be having some mental struggles uh, with, with, what the show calls madness. I'm going to call it madness in the show. I would never call it that in real life, but that is what the show is referring to it as. He's 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 suffering from madness. That doesn't roll off the tongue. No, no. Madness is is what it is. But yeah, so he's suffering from some kind of madness, but he's very intelligent and he has a great memory and, you know, he's never going to forget this face that he saw. And that, that would shock me too. And, and, uh, also, you got to remember Rand's at work, so he probably doesn't want to get caught doing anything suspicious, All right. right? All right. Right. All what right. if somebody walks into the courtyard? Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, fair enough. I can, I can, I can get on board with all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You better. Uh, Rand <laughs> sees. Get <laughs> <laughs> some threats here. Hey. There we go. <laughs> Rand sees a party for the great hunt of for the horn of Valir forming which Selene explains can supposedly summon an army of the dead. He asks Selene for help finding Gaelden and Red, and uh, the two leave to find Rand a better coat. So I don't have too much on this scene. I think Selene, she's way more hmm. to me than someone who should be um, wallowing around the foregate. She is just just doesn't have the energy of the four gate <laughs> she does not yeah so it's it's there's a mismatch there and i'm hoping that that's intentional and that there's something more hmm. yet, yet to come an interesting thought you have there david does the wheel weave the wheel weaves i i can't say much Celine is a book character so i cannot say much about her got it um she's great and i'm loving her and and the romance feels like it's got some you know uh there's some chemistry with the actors here, so it's working uh, in that regard. What what was the deal with the branding? People were getting branded, lining up to get branded. They were getting their little mark for the the Horn of Valir hunt. Oh, so it's like your ticket to buy in or something. Is I guess so. That's not in the okay. book, so okay. I, yeah, that's that seems to be what they were doing there. I mean, they've changed this a bit from the book too, because the Great Hunt always starts in Ilium in the books, uh-huh. whereas this is Kyrian. So, uh, so we moved it. So that's a yeah big question here then is is what can you tell me about this horn hunt that they Well you, you've seen the horn. It is that horn. It's that horn. Yeah. And so okay so so there's extra layer of culture around the horn and they turn it into a giant snipe hunt uh stroke uh, probably, you know, day where you can just go around and be crazy and turn over apple cards to look <laughs> for the horn. Is it a festival? Do we talk a lot about festivals? I, I don't think shows? so. The, I mean, it's, it's, uh, we learned why it happens later, but it's essentially a send off, right? To get people out of town. And then 
they will search the continent for the horn. It's not like a local thing. Okay. So yeah, they're sending off people to like have hunting parties throughout the continent. But meanwhile, the people who have the horn know that they've had the horn the whole time. It- um, so it, in the books, it's found very differently. So I'm not going to defend how they did it in the show because I think it was stupid. Okay. But <laughs> yes, yes, that seems like the uh, the people in Shinar knew that the horn was there the whole time, which is okay. fine, I guess. Fine. The Borderlands don't talk much to Ilium. Fine. I guess defend it if you want. But I, I like the way that they find it in the show better, in the books better, because it's a lot more mysterious. They find it at in the eye of the world. That was like in the eye of the world. They find it. Okay. Um, so when Rand goes and defeats the defeats Ishmael for the first time, really, um, then they find the horn in like a pool of doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't but the matter. point is, it was lost. It was genuinely lost. And now and then it was found. And then Patton Fane has it. So now we know that Patton Fane is having it. So the second book is the great hunt. It's the hunt for the horn of Valir. So there are these people leaving over here to find it. We know Perrin is looking for it. And so are the Shinarans. Okay. But then this hunt would happen frequently every year, every couple of years. They said every few hundred years. That's that oh. they said that in this episode. Boy, a few hundred years is a long time. I know, uh, I know. That doesn't make sense, but uh, okay, whatever. I, I guess. Yeah, I I don't know if they should have said it that way, but oh well. Well, and like I said at the beginning, there's just a bunch of stuff I just have to accept because I have, I have nothing right. but to. I, I mean, I can reject it and and ruin my fun, so I'm I'm just gonna go with it. <laughs> right. Fair enough. Uh, Egwene and Elaine enter Nynaeve's room where Sherium tells them she's dead and lectures Egwene about standing on her own. Egwene lashes out at Elaine, who leaves her alone. Egwene sobs in Nynaeve's room. Can I say that Elaine is extremely emotionally mature? Yes, she is. She She is there for Egwene. And when Egwene lashes out at grief, she doesn't get angry. She's like, "Okay, I'm going to leave this person alone. I'll check in on her later. My friend's hurting. I get it. I, I don't have to take anything that they say personally. I know they're just. Right. Yeah. So. What, what yeah. a very emotionally mature person. So good for her. And she knows a lot. Right. <laughs> right. She, right. she knows she's well versed in how the tower works and what you can and can't do in certain magical situations and stuff like that. Right. So, yeah, she's a she it's it's an interesting pairing and it's an interesting friendship that they're developing and it'll see it'll be interesting to see what happens with Nynaeve back in the mix because Nynaeve hasn't really interacted with Elaine much yet so right what do you think about Sherriam in this scene because something Alicia said is she feels like Sherriam might be a little too cold in this Mm -hmm. show where she's a lot warmer in the books are you getting a lack of warmth from her I, I'm getting that I, she should be more warm than she sh- than she is delivering. Yeah. Uh, okay. She's. I, I would expect the way that they've done her hair and and the, her look and and her you know the Mrs. Doubtfire look totally feels like she should be you know this kind of thing. But to to you know go with the switch, <laughs> you know a daily switching for Elaine. Um, that and, and some other things that she said and done, she is a, a bit harder than I expected at the same time, you know, I, I get it, you know, uh, running, running the novices is, is a hard work. And especially when you've got folks like Leandrin advocate, constantly advocating you and adding you and, you know, hitting your DMS like, yo, I want to, you know, give me this and, you know, help me with that person and whatnot. 
it's a lot that she has to manage. So I, yeah. I, I, I don't put it past in my head canon. I don't put it past her. Not I, to I mention she's the only one in charge of switching. So she could probably beat Arnold Schwarzenegger in an arm wrestling contest. <laughs> That's a, have you been saving that one? No, I just thought of it. I'm, okay. I, I'm, I'm here all night. I had some coffee. You and uh, you and uh, Steve from uh, Properly Howard should get together. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. You guys could do a pod together. Um, I did appreciate her Sherryum's bluntness. Like, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk bluntly because I respect you. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blow smoke. I'm yeah. not gonna you know uh, mess with your feelings. I'm just gonna tell you she's dead. So that's the way it is. Deal with it. And I, I appreciate that. You know, these are grown adult people who are do, doing difficult stuff. This happens. And the sooner you can resolve and rectify that for yourself, the, the better it's going to go for you. So, Right. And she's someone who has white hair. She's obviously been around probably a couple hundred years already. Hey, now. She's seen this happen. She's seen <laughs> yeah, this happen a lot. before. Plenty. Plenty. They, she knows nobody ever comes back from this. There's no way anyone's coming back for this. She can't anticipate that Nynaeve's going to be the first one ever who comes back from it. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah you know, a little, little hard hard talk. And, and, you know, maybe novices need that, right? Yeah. They're missing their families. You know, they're doing hard stuff. You know, you, you know we want you to succeed. We're, we're trying to set you up for success. But you got to step up. Right. You, right, you, right. You as the apprentice, you guys, you guys said you want to be here. So be here and, and do what you need to do. Fair enough. All right. Let's move on to Leandrin, who visits Matt and tells him she's letting him go after losing a sister in the tower. She taunts him about leaving his friends and calls him an insidious coward who mistakes his own moral <laughs> failures for cunning and wit. Boy, invite her to the next celebrity roast. I mean, she's brutal 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 to matt and you could tell it really affects him too yeah which i you know this matt is a lot darker than season one matt i think okay uh, you know different actor it just seems like the performance is different i want to see donald be a little bit more of the the scoundrel this like mischievous scoundrel yeah yeah i'm Uh, not getting a lot of scoundrel vibes from him no no this uh this guy who just kind of matt matt needs to be this like person who is always like why is it happening to me like that's the Mm -hmm. vibe that i need him to have right and i'm not sure we're getting that yet but again we have not seen much of him yet fair enough uh kate fleetwood the actor who's playing uh, leandrin here is man she's got a lot of raw emotional scenes happening (laughs) throughout this season right yeah there is a lot going on with her character and she is just yeah she's brutal She's brutal in this. A bit unhinged, one might say. A little bit, a little bit. So, you know, it it makes sense. You're you're not the fish. I'm letting you. I'm throwing you back in the in the ocean. You're not what I thought you were. So, off you go. Yeah. But but as we learn later, there's more to it. Right. So, exactly. Crafting. Exactly. We we. I I'm very curious to see where that goes to because again, not in the books. That's that's brand new. Okay. Cool. Uh, Matt is Matt is down a path that I have not seen him go down before. Okay. In the White Tower, Leandrin returns Nynaeve's would-be great serpent ring to the forge, then is visited by Egwene, who accuses her of pushing Nynaeve to her death. When Leandrin tries to leave, Egwene channels fire in her path. Leandrin corners Egwene at the end at the edge of the high cliff, telling 
Egwene. She believed in Nynaeve. Egwene checks Leandrin's shoulder on the way out and walks away. I love this quote from Leandrin. She says, it's not always the most powerful women who write history. It's the ones who survive. So back to back Leandrin, <laughs> you know, uh, filleting people scenes here. Yeah. The showrunners are not doing her character any favors if we want to feel any sympathy for her. So she's in the she's books. I cookie. did not feel sympathy for her once. Okay. Literally once. I love this too. It's like, oh, aren't you cute girl? You want to throw some fire in my face? <laughs> I don't think so. The yeah. contempt that she looks at her with is like, well, it's just oh. like, all right, maybe she's a, like, I, I think Egwene has been established to probably be more powerful with the power than Leandrin. Right. But right. she is raw power. It's not, yeah. it's not focused at all. Leandrin could skewer her in a second if she wanted to. Yeah. Leandrin's experienced and, and been around, right? She's, right. She's battle hardened. So uh, I will say there was a little bit of, CGI not greatness with the green screen behind um uh behind them here as they're looking off into okay. the tower but I didn't even know, notice so yeah my it, biggest it, complaint with the visual of the show is that it's way too dark in the night scenes way yeah. way way too dark but again it might it might be a screener thing they might they might have that more adjusted for HDR in the, the actual, in actual broadcast, yeah, yeah, when it's actually mastered, yeah, they got the lighting right on Leandrin's face as we're you know looking back, but then when we're looking forward and out, Egwene, um, you can see that weird CGI, uh, you know, green screen effect uh-huh. behind her. So I don't know. It's just one of those little things okay. I pick up. There was one other cool little thing that um, that happened, and I I'm assuming that this is intentional. As Egwene walks away from Leandrin, you know, in the big fire table there, there's a little vortices of fire that rises up a little bit taller. So as she's leaving, it's like she causes a little fire tornado to swirl up and sort of follow in her wake. So a little visual cue. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that that was cool. Yeah. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Is that uh, is that something intentional or was that, you know? A practical effect on wrong, but I think it has to be intentional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's intentional. So, I mean, you know, the only thing that's not intentional is the Starbucks cup on a on a table. You know, <laughs> exactly. Rand and Celine crash a noble's party, causing chatter between the nobles. Well, Celine fetches the Gaeldanen red. Lady Alver tries to convince Rand to reject another lady's invitation. He tosses the invitation in the fire, intriguing the nobles more. Lady Alver explains that the hunt for the horn is all a farce to get the citizens of the foregate out. Selene returns to Rand with the Geldon in red and is amused by his outrage at the farcical hunt. Rand leaves Selene at the party. Wow, how, how sad was this scene? <laughs> um, I think I'm pretty sure the actor who's playing... The lady here is Lindsay Duncan, who played uh, Servilia of the Junii in the Rome TV show on HBO. Okay. Um, I can't look up. a lot of stuff. Yeah, because we don't, you know, have, you know, the IMDb to look up yet. So I liked her. I thought she was a a good actor. So it was kind of fun for me to to see her in this, this scene here. There's a lot that I didn't 
get what's going on. I mean, I, I got the gist of it, but I, I don't know. It seemed to go from the four gate to this and the costume styles. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this was mostly a nod to a book plot, which is it's like most of the book of the great hunt, maybe half of it. I don't know. Okay. But okay. It's, it's, um, Ran basically arrives in Kyrian and all the nobles assume he must be an outland lord in hiding because he's got these fancy coats that Moraine had gotten him in the books. And the, in, in here, obviously, he gets it from Celine. She she figures out the coat thing for him. Right. But right. he's got these fancy clothes and he's staying in, in the foregate and they're like, that's a noble in hiding from an outland. So we got to all send invitations. And the first time he throws an invitation in the fire you could hear like gasps from around and then okay. more people start sending him invitations. So he keeps he keeps throwing the invitations in the fire and everyone keeps getting more and more intrigued, leading to more and more invitations. And it's kind of a, a comedy farce in the book. Okay. Um, I think it goes on too long in the book. And okay. so I think that this was a clever nod to it. OK, uh, where where they're just kind of like, oh, well, you've made everyone wonder who you are. And yeah. And he just walks out with a stolen bottle of wine and he's fine. Nobody cares. Right. They they go wow that guy's a badass. <laughs> well, he's he's proving his cleverness right with uh, being able to track down this this proper bottle of wine to well, think he's going to unlock some secrets here. I, I think Celine is proving her cleverness. She's the one who figured out this whole plot. That is a good point. You you're actually more right uh, than my, yeah. My supposition is not, <laughs> he has somebody who he's got a hookup. He's, he's got he's a got, hookup. He's got a wine did, lady. He didn't even have to be clever or anything like that. He just had to be, um, you know, the uh, the the object of the the desire of his hookup. So literally. Right. And Celine says, you know, she, he goes, "Why are you helping me?" She said, "You know, you already know the answer to that question. What do you think? What do you think is the answer?" What do I think the answer is? Yeah. Well, it it goes to my supposition that she is more than. There's more going on in this relationship than than we know. Um, so far. And does she suspect that he can channel? She's certainly not surprised by it later on in the episode. Right. right. So interesting. Interesting. Another detail here that we learn is that the citizens of the foregate are survivors of the Aeol war. Okay. So that's, that's more development. We know that Rand was helping out a patient who was a a veteran of the Aeol war. Right. And now we have, the uh, the survivors of the uh, war being at the foregate. Okay, cool. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of Aiel talk so far this season. Okay. And uh, we've seen them in the trailer, so they're coming. All right. In some capacity, we're gonna we're gonna meet some Aiel this season. So yeah, all stuff I just have to accept. <laughs> yep. I just have to go. Yep. Okay, you know. Yep. So Rand goes off to find Loghain, and they watch the fireworks while Loghain drinks his Gale Don and Red. Uh, well, Loghain throws the bottle anyway. Yeah, <laughs> Dr- spills the he, cup. And- he does something with it. Yeah. Uh, Loghain tells Rand he cannot control the channeling, and that it will eventually spill out of him. Of course, using the wine to demonstrate spilling out because Rand doesn't know what spilling is. Uh, when Rand Lo- calls Loghain mad. Loghain claims there is no madness, but instead I Sedai propaganda. Rand tells Loghain he's not the true dragon, but Loghain insists the blood of Luz Theron Telamon runs in his veins, letting him hear his whispers. Loghain and Rand get into a scuffle, and Rand leaves. Did you remember who Luz Theron is? No. Okay, so remember when we did that long flashback 
to like way back with the previous dragon last season? You're vaguely. I okay, don't, well, honestly. The last dragon was Louis Theron Telemann. Okay. So he's saying that was me. You know, I have his blood in my veins and I hear his uh, okay. whispers. I'm a just yeah. I'm a descendant. Okay. Which yeah. is very Dune in a way to be able to interact with your genetic ancestors in a Yeah, that you know, that's not a real thing in here. Thing. He's just crazy. Okay. All right. <laughs> you can so that we know that people are reincarnated in the wheel of time. That is uh, souls are reincarnated in the wheel of time. This is a reincarnation world. It is proven okay. to happen. Got and it. Okay. Okay. The dragon will always be reincarnated right. as the dragon, right? right? Um, so Did they're they... they're not genetically related, generally, right? It's just a soul. Could could we have picked a different name than dragon? I don't know. Dragon just sometimes, you know, I don't know. Seems a little. I don't know. It was picked in 1990. You just gotta right. live with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So. Loghain is still convinced that he's a dragon and that he's been gentled and that the world is screwed, right? Right. What What's his game plan if he escapes? Oh, Loghain? Yeah. Oh, you can't oh, we... you can't reverse gentling. No, and and so he would just run around and try to you know I think he yeah he just end up scamming a bunch of people and trying to you know yeah. To, Although uh, I, I think he's genuinely convinced he's a dragon. Sure, sure. Uh, and and as you said, we, as we have established that male channelers uh lose their grasp with reality right so right uh and and now rand what i thought would was interesting that i learned from the scene is that uh, rand is having to be the hulk here a little bit uh you know hey what's the secret of keeping the big guy from coming out as uh <laughs> as yeah. tony stark asks uh bruce banner and he says you know, I've got to be basically I have to be angry all the time to to suppress it. So it, Rand is suppressing it all the time. Right. Is, is right. what I'm gathering from this scene. And when Celine later, I think uh, this this goes even more into my theory. And now the more that we're talking about it, she's trying to get him to let go so that it will come out. Yeah. So she's and, goading the, uh, the channeling yes. a little bit. Yeah. And so, and she's successful finally. Right. Yep. So. Yeah. And, and, and of course now Rand is realizing that there is no hope for him. He's looking into the eyes of a madman who, you know, the one, the one guy he thought could help him. Right. Which I don't know why he thought somebody who went mad from the power would be able to help him not get mad from the power. Yeah, but how much does he really know and, and can really understand and intuit? Uh, maybe, you know, oh, well, they gentled him, so maybe he's not, a, you know, he's not mad yeah. mad, you know. Yeah. Maybe he's just, well, no, but I mean, like, if it, he's just if it made peeved. him get mad, why hmm? would, if it if it made him become mad, even if even if it did reverse the madness when he was gentle, which it doesn't, but w- wouldn't he have already gone down the path that Rand is trying to avoid, like, I guess you could say like, well, what would I have done differently? But it's, you know, does he really going to know that? What can, how much did Rand know and how much could he have known? And, you know, what is he, he's, he's going on the only lead that he's got. Right? Yeah, fair enough. This, this one months, guy. though. He spends months doing this. Sure. But I guess, I guess also he thinks that he defeated the Dark One. So he thinks he has months. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. That that's a big problem is that Moraine made him think he defeated the Dark One when he did right, that. Right, right. So, oops, Moraine. He just he, gave yeah, his he, a boo boo and then freed him. 
you better go uh, fix that problem. Moraine is not the MVP this season. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. She's she's batting zero right now. All right. Matt arrives at the White Tower where he sees Egwene crying and runs away. He visits Min, who notices the door is open and insists they leave. When he hesitates, she escapes. I like uh, I like this whole scene. Also, can I just say Matt's a dick for not freeing her the minute he was free? He could have done that right away. <laughs> right, and he waits exactly. hours and he comes back. He probably wasn't going to come back, right? Like he came back because he was alone without Egwene, but he wasn't going to come back before that. He was just going to leave Min in there. Right. Yeah. No, not a great guy. Not no. not proving himself a bit selfish. Oh well, yeah, which is fine. But I think I think the a more playful, irreverent Matt might want a a, a partner in crime, somebody to right. laugh with, right? Somebody to share the adventure with. So yeah, yeah. He, this this was a bit of a problem for the characterization for me because Matt, well, he is always like, oh, I don't want to be the hero. I'm so tired of this. He does end up doing the right thing, right? And he does right. it. He does it without hesitation as long as he gets to complain about it, basically. And right. that's part of his character. So I wish he would have been like, well, here I am saving the day again. And, you know, for her. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't get that. But, oh, oh well, we, we know Min's up to something, too. We do. All right, let's move on, because there's not a lot to say here. Perrin awakens in a carriage with Ishmael, who tells Perrin he is bring bought to, brought to Falma, as an honored guest of Lady Surath, Ishmael offers Perrin water and tries to bring out the monster. Perrin insists Rand killed him and the wolves attack the Shanchen, while Ishmael tells Perrin the more wolf he is, the more Perrin is his. Ishmael leaves and the tracker frees Perrin. Perrin follows a wolf guide away. Um, I think my least and and I don't I'm not saying this to <laughs> to to be to pour any extra spicy sauce on my takes here because I'm sure there's plenty of Perrin fans out there but I have to say right now Perrin is the least interesting for oh, me Oh he's the worst out of the five yeah he's even in the books just I think I think universally not he's not hated that's No no he's not, not hated. hated people are just kind of like ah eh you know, and he's got this, oh, oh, you know, this husky voice kind of stuff. Right. It's like, okay, it's, it's just There's a little. There's an anger in me. Yeah, it's just yeah. a little sing. It's not, there's not a dimensionality to him. Yeah. It's a very flat dimension character uh, yeah. thing. Yeah. So, and yeah, what what's Ishmael playing at here? And if he's so powerful, why is he letting the wolves, why doesn't he just go out and just, you know. He doesn't wolf- need to. Power, That's power knows power. He doesn't need to. What is he going to do? What are they going to do? They're all not going right, to hurt all right, him. All right. All right. All right. So. If they yeah, come what, near him, he'll blast them away, but what, they're not going to. And so what does it mean that the more that Perrin gets wolfy, the the more that he is, uh, you know, the, it, slipping into the dark side? Also, this was know? said by the father of lies. So is it even true? Oh, good point. Uh, thank you. I, I should probably... Keep that in mind going forward. That yeah. this guy Ishmael is, is be... certainly an unreliable speaker. <laughs> right, got it. And now we confirmation that the um, the uh, tracker is a, a wolf. What's his name again? I'm, um... He hasn't been named in the show, but they oh, are probably okay. going to call him Elias, which is the name of a wolf guy in okay. the books. Uh, so yeah, confirmation that he's uh, he's wolfy. 
He sure is Wolfie. He sure is Wolfie. <laughs> so they have combined him with another character in the in the books that is a tracker that is not a wolf guy. He has uh-huh. a different power where he can essentially smell crime. I'm not even kidding. He can smell <laughs> violence and okay. use the scent of it uh, to follow like Pat and Fane. Uh, okay. So they've gotten rid of him. His name is Hurin. It seems like they've gotten rid of him for the show. And they've just put the tracker in, which is probably named Elias. <laughs> okay. Um, and he, they're they're going to do a dual thing where they have Perrin meet another wolf guy and they have a tracker for the Shinarans. Okay. Which I'm glad they did because we didn't spend a lot of time tracking before the Shanshan came in anyway. Right. No, it was uh, they, they kind of got right to that. So. Min and Matt pack their things before Min sneaks away to Leandrin. Min reports that Matt is going with her to some location both she and Leandrin know. Leandrin says if Min succeeds, Moraine will never have anything over them again. What is Leandrin up to? What is Min up to? Yeah, <laughs> the uh, enemy of my enemy kind of thing here. Yeah, so, maybe, maybe. And what is what is Leandrin have over Min? And how did she get Min here? And right. uh, yeah, so questions, definite questions. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. I, I, I really can't say anything because it's not even a book thing. I just don't know what's happening. Very convenient uh, to put Min in, you know, knowing that Matt's going to dig his way and, you know, find uh, he's going to possum his way over to the next cell. So Right, right. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Rand returns to Celine, who tells him if he ever leaves her like that again, she will kill him. She initiates <laughs> their rough loving and in insisting on him leaving his red coat on her lord. And Rand begins to channel uncontrollably. She tells him she's not afraid of him. Sometime later, fire spills out of Rand, lighting the inn on fire. Celine runs to get him and asks if he's all right as they watch it burn. So I'm actually... Um watching the scene a little bit uh, while we're recording here on in another screen. And she is definitely not afraid of the channeling energy that's happening. And I, I think she's definitely, um, um, this is, this is uh, uh, a, uh, like we said, she's coaxing, she's trying to coax him somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. She's up to something, isn't she? Very much so. But we and, don't know uh, what. Having fun (laughs) while she's doing it. Yeah, she is sure having fun while she's doing it. Uh, A lot of rough loving with them. They are not. uh, Well, this is what I mean. This whole a little S and M here, you know. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's this stuff. There's there was the stuff with Perrin. There was the stuff with the. um, I'm sorry. The um, who are the people that are coming over from the sea? Um, The Shanchen. Yeah. The Shanchen. Just there's a lot of. This was not a happy episode. No. <laughs> this was a it very was very dour. well made though. I really had a great time. Agreed. Yeah. So when Matt was laying there, so he was she got out of bed at some point and just went somewhere else, and then he he just woke up uncontrollably. This was like a spontaneous combustion situation. Yeah, seems like it. He just watched the channeling spill out of him. Rand is, right. he is just having sort of woke trouble. Up and- yeah, he's having trouble letting things happen naturally. I think part of it is, I think Loghain basically said it, right? You have to let some out sometime or it's mm. going to spill out of you. So he's got to learn. He's, he needs a teacher. That's really what Just he don't let it out of you when you're in a dry wooded structure. <laughs> so the foregate <laughs> is supposed to be like all wood, right? It's outside oh, of man. the stone. 
that whole outside town is going in flames right now. Right. Yeah. I was like, oh man, is this whole town going to burn down? Well, they cut the scene before. I mean, it's really going. And so, yeah, this, that could potentially. Somehow I think the four gate fire department is not very good at their jobs. (laughs) (laughs) They're all on the hunt for the horn. Oh, sorry. Where are they on leave? So I, I forgot that the that that this isn't the end. This is what was kind of confusing me was I, I got confused about how he spontaneously channeled, but I, I get it now. I'm I think I'm on board. So. Yeah, I think I think they were just showing it. He you know he was losing control before it finally comes out later in the night. Right, and he just I wakes think, up. I think that's and, fine. Yeah, yeah, yep. All right, we've got a couple more scenes. Egwene tries to channel the arches awake, but Elaine arrives and tells her it's useless and that only more than one Aes Sedai can open it. Elaine convinces Egwene to stop doing things that could get her expelled, then stays with Egwene there through the night. What a nice friend. Sleeping on yes. a stone floor just to make sure your friend's not alone in her grief. And, and being, um, knowing that, the, well, you know, obviously things turn out differently, but the, 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 you know, the, the, the correct answer in the real world is it's not going to happen, but Hey, I understand how you feel. So let me, let me be with you and, and hopefully yeah. make you feel better. Yeah. She's a really good friend. She's a really she good is. friend. She's a ride or die. Uh, but then inside the arch world, Perrin delivers a toy sword to Nynaeve's daughter, Elnor, who is named after Nynaeve's mother, who we met in the first arch. Right. Uh, Uncle Matt comes to visit in lordly clothes with a letter from Egwene. Lan, rocking a new haircut, listens to Nynaeve recount Egwene's letter, which says she and the other Green Sisters are fighting Trollocs. At bedtime, the Trollocs attack their home. Nynaeve puts her daughter in the same position she was as a child under the floorboards. Meanwhile, Matt, Perrin, and Land are, are killed by Trollocs. Nynaeve channels in rage, and Elnor comes out to her mother to see the arch appear. Nynaeve repeats Sherryam's refrain, then rushes her daughter through the archway from Trollocs. When she gets through the arch, her arms are empty. Egwene and Elaine wake up to see their friends sobbing and covered in blood. So the actor who's playing Nynaeve uh, really sells the scene for me of this holding my child, saving my child, (laughs) then showing up. And there's no child and that's painful. And um, I just really felt the um, Zoe Robbins uh, energy here was just right on cue. Like she just, she did her job as an actor. I felt it, it was earned. uh, And I really appreciated the trauma, the three traumas that she had to live through, you know, in this, it was, it was rough. It was really, it. so again, this was a rough episode. It was emotional. I mean, yeah, it ends on a super big heartbreak. I mean, yeah. could you imagine? I I don't want to imagine just like no, running no. with your child away from danger and they're they're just gone. There's no child. Yeah, I mean, even at the end here, when when Egwene is holding her, uh, <laughs> Zoe Robbins is like she's drooling and tears are pouring out of her eyes. Like she's actually, you know, she's actually having a moment. You know, the actor is having a moment here. And so really, yeah. really delivers it. Um, Let me ask you something that I asked. Elaine. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was uh, just going to say uh, Elaine is like the hell is going on here. This is not supposed yeah. to be happening. Yeah. So you were going to ask. Let me ask you something that I asked Alicia. Do you think 
Nynaeve lived several years inside the the arch before she came out? Or do you sure. think she kind of had flash forwards as they went? So do, do you think she lived that in real time, having a, a daughter of a few years old? Oh, yeah, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. So from from where they cut with her uh, embracing Lan. Right. To now. So like, do, do you think she lived another life? She didn't. Yes, out? she totally she lived a full life. She did not skip life. through time. She lived. No. Okay. No, I, th- she I lived think a, that might be right, which is even more traumatic, right? Like you, you got, completely you got settled in this new life <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, this wasn't real. And and so, like you can't even grieve this daughter the right way right. because she wasn't real. At least not in this world, I would say. There there are some other lovely parallels, and one of them is, uh, uh, I, I don't want to overcomp uh, the storyline here, but there's a great Star Trek episode with Picard who lives another life. Um, so I, it's a good storyline, and I, I like, for me, the way I read it is that it was a full life. And so when she is grieving, it really does suck that badly. Yeah, it's and, horrible. Yeah. Horrible. So. Uh, it, it it works. It, it worked, and it was earned, and and I I enjoyed it in the way I shouldn't. <laughs> you know, like you know what I mean. I, yeah, yeah, I was yeah, entertained. Yeah. You know, uh, by it. Um, the, what was I going to say? Oh, the with the arches. So what what you told me before, and what we sort of learned so far is that Nynaeve's got to be. She's got to Hulk out to use her powers, right? Yeah. Yep. She's got to get angry and, and do it. And so in these fictional worlds of the arches, be they real or or not, there's some sort of moral test that's happening, right? There's sure. some sort of can character. You, can you walk away from who you personally care about to serve a greater purpose in the eyes of the Aes Sedai, which is to serve the White Tower? Right. And so what or how the intentionality of the archways are set up to you know, uh, uh, test your character, who knows? But what we get from this is, is that for Nynaeve to unlock her power, she had to live that full life and she had to be that angry. And, and, um, I apologize the name of the, um, mistress of novices. Sherium. Yeah. Sherium said, you can't use your, I believe it was Sherium. Yeah. She, I, well, one of them said you cannot use the power, right? In, right. In these, like in my head, you. it's Sherium. It could have been in the, one of the other two, but yeah, you, you don't have the one power at your disposal yet. She does. Mm, and so the through. arch, the archways are like, okay, You've proved who we know you to be. Therefore, you get a second chance to leave this situation, right? So, right. You have, I, I read it also as she reactivated the archway from within. That's a good way to do it as well. Like, I don't know if the archways have some sort of moral agency built into them, or if know. there's a failsafe mechanism that a channeler of such a power, because it took three Aes Sedai to activate the, the mm-hmm. arches right so she's you know at least three x that we know of she's very 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 powerful very so, very powerful whether there's a moral you know programming built into the archways or whether she's powerful enough either way i think it works that she's uh she's she's proved she's done what she needs to do and she knows that she can yeah she, she's gone yeah. through the test right she's yeah. passed the test yeah, uh, rough, rough episode, like you said, but very rewarding. And I think yeah. that it really sets up the season well. 
And uh, I, I like Nynaeve even more after this episode. I get I did not love her at this point in the books. I thought she was still kind of a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. And I, Agreed. I yeah. She was Agreed. kind of. And, and I think she is in the show sometimes, too. You know, she is ob- obstructive and obtuse when she does not need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I was trying to say earlier. Yeah. I, I think that she really has matured a lot even through this experience. Right. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, I really like this episode. David, we don't have any feedback because the show hasn't aired yet. Nope. But you can send your feedback to WOT at thelorehounds.com or head to thelorehounds.com, fill out the contact form, or send us a voicemail. So uh, right after this, we're going to um, run through some programming notes about what's coming up. There's not a lot coming up. Uh, we'll talk about our affiliates. Uh, re- There's a lot coming up, but it's all pretty much the same. Um, and then... We'll thank our our uh, Patreon subscribers, and then we're going to cut, and you and Alicia are going to go into spoiler, super spoiler territory. So this is your warning for the warning. Yeah, I want to make very clear. We are going through all of the books. There is no holds barred. I remember we talked about something in the last book in this section, so do not go past this line if, right. you, <laughs> if you don't want to hear it. But you have credits to get through still if you want. So uh, you have time to get out. So um, quickly about scheduling for September. We are full swing into foundation. We are full swing into Ahsoka. uh, And we are doing this. And so that is like, we have an abundant, triple blessings to you, John. (laughs) Triple blessings. Foundation season one reference there. Um, so we're busy with all that kind of stuff. And we'll have some more updates about the rest of our projects in September later. Suffice to say that Properly Howard Movie Review is a podcast you should be checking out if you like pop culture. Non- do you like pop culture nonsense, Sean? I think you do. I, I think I do. I, 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 <laughs> you're putting me on the spot here. I am. I am. Uh, well, you know, check out uh, Anthony and Steve. Uh, Anthony's a academic. Steve's a stand-up comic. They have a podcast. It had been running for a while. It was called Cocoons of Horror. They brought it over to us, and it's now called Properly Howard. And their whole shtick is, is a movie, uh, Ron Howard film, better or worse? And this season of films that they're uh, uh, producing, uh, the podcast that they're reviewing, are all remakes. So they did a remake of White Men Can't Jump that was just released. They did uh, coverage of Dune, which uh, we were on with Alicia uh, talking about the 2021 film. Right after this drops, it's going to be the Wolfman remake in 2010. And the great thing is, is that you don't have to have seen these movies to enjoy their conversations because they talk a lot around it and have a lot of fun with it. So please uh, subscribe. Check them out. Our good friend Alicia on her podcast, Wolf Shift Dust which is now pivoted to covering the culture and the background and the history of the Dune novels. Um, We just learned that the studio decided to kick Dune into the 2024 lineup. So it's been postponed. So Alicia is going to be reworking her schedule and and re-releasing some stuff. She's still moving forward and talking about who Frank Herbert was talking about how the books were written, talking about video games that were based on Dune, uh, talking about a documentary that was made about a making of Dune that was never made. (laughs) So 
all that is still happening, but it's going to be on a modified schedule and, and she's going to let us know what is going on with that soon. Otherwise, she's still rolling ahead with her silo book club and uh, check out her Patreon uh, patreon.com slash wool shift dust to um, get in. If you are into having a book club experience, reading the wool shift dust books. Cool. Well, David, we have one more bit to get through, which is our thank you to our patrons, uh, especially our lore masters, which are our top tier patrons who keep the wheel weaving, keep, they do. keep the channeling they keep, flowing. They keep the, the, the water flowing through our wheel. Is sure that do. A, did, did, did I say that correctly? Is that right? Is that a right way? To I mean, there's no water in the wheel. It's all, you know, channeling, okay. but uh, <laughs> right, whatever okay. you want, whatever you want. You are the water boy that turns the wheel. I don't know. Anyway. The, they're water boys now? That's, that's no. nice. Yeah. I mean, there was a clip. There Lasso? was something. Of, somebody called Rand, you know, the water boy. Well, don't you know. worry, Lore Masters. I think you're better than Nate from Ted Lasso. <laughs> all right. And you all are Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E. David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Deadeye Jedi Bob, Nathan T, and our newest lore master, Alex V. Alex, I will mention we, we need uh, those little horns with the new. <laughs> I will mention that you will probably have been thanked on the latest Foundation podcast, then not the first two Wheel of Time episodes, and then this one, <laughs> because screeners made this timey-wimey. So sorry that you missed out on the first two Wheel of Time. We recorded them before you signed up, but uh, happy to have you, the rest of the Lore Masters, and of course, all our patrons who have been such a big help as we push forward into these three shows. Super generous. I just can't believe that we're not only getting folks but they're hanging with us and so yeah we really appreciate all of your support so thank you absolutely all right david it's been a fun triple premiere day that we spaced out over a week or two Ooh, i'm so glad we got screeners could you imagine i know i know (laughs) that would have been rough yep but we did and uh so you and i have one more episode of screeners so we'll at least have that one out day and date after that, we will see what Amazon does for us. Right. Well, at least we'll be done with Foundation, hopefully, by then, yep, so, yep. which I'll be sad about because it's been so good. It has been really good. It has been. All right, David. See you next week. Okay. Bye. Welcome to the White Tower segment where we send young women to dangerous tasks because we think it builds character. Mm-hmm. I'm John, and with me is Alicia, who you might recognize from the Woolshift Dust podcast doing Dune currently and from our other coverage of the MCU. And uh, she's also popped up on some of our Star Wars coverage. So, Alicia, how are you? Hi, doing well. I'm very excited to talk about the wheel of time because I am very excited about the three episodes that we've seen so far. Um, Absolutely. I can't wait for everyone else to see these because yeah, I, I think they've, they've really knocked it out of the park. Um, I think, you know, some people are going to freak about changes. It's inevitable, but um, I think that they have made really smart decisions. Yeah. So speaking of changes, 
this is a very, very strong spoiler warning. Yeah. Once you go beyond this current sentence, you will be hearing spoilers for all 14 books plus the prequel. That is everything through the last battle, through whatever else happens. You don't even know if you ever read it. So don't listen to it, please. It's a great story. Experience it for the first time by reading or watching whatever works for you. But don't just listen to us regurgitate plot points. So if you have read all the books, stick around and we'll have a good time. All right. Spoiler warning done. Alicia, you've put together sort of an outline of your thoughts on the changes and some book details. Do you want to walk us through that? Uh, yes, sure. It's um, fair warning. It's in a sort of chaotic order because it's uh, I did a rewatch of these three episodes this weekend. And uh, these were sort of the things that stuck out to me as interesting for book discussion as we went. Um, so, okay. yeah. So first, I just want to ask you, you know, you and I kind of talked privately, uh, but they've combined a couple characters. Um, right. So we've got Huron being folded into Elias and Vendine being folded into Viren. Uh, what do you think about those, that change? I couldn't even remember Vandine's name. <laughs> so I like I had to go back into the book and, and look up who it was. I think that's totally fine. And I like yeah. that we're getting more screen time with Varen. So I think that's a really, really smart uh, choice. And Adelaus, you still get half of the pair. So, you you know, you're you're having a great time with the Aes Sedai in exile. They're not in exile, but you know what I mean? In right. the countryside. Uh, one of them's in exile, I guess, but it's not them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, as far as Hurin, I love Hurin. Like he he's a very heartwarming character. The way he just looks up to Rand and wants right. to help him with whatever he needs, and it's really heartbreaking later. I think it's a big character moment later where Rand lashes out at him, and you kind of see how far Rand has fallen. But I they, they could do something else to do that. You know, like there's right. a million ways to show how far Rand has fallen. I mean, because the thing is that there are a, quite a number of those powerful moments in the books with, you know, a 15 book series as well. There should be. Um, and obviously they can't do all of them, um, but there are going to be definitely other moments. Um, yeah, I think even in this first in these first three episodes, when we see we start to see it with just that when Rand is uh, stalking that guy, what's his name? Jan from uh, the other, mm -hmm. the asshole who works at the sanitari sanitarium. Right. And, you know, he goes and he beats them up. And that's where we're starting to see that. Oh, just how far is our yeah, hero yeah. falling? Yeah. Darth Rand is around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. We've got red coat Rand. So we're oh, I'm so excited for the ahead. red coat. <laughs> I saw that and I was Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I, I think, yeah, well, I just said when we were talking in the preview episode that I, I really look forward to that. Although I do wish they had shown them like picking out the coat, you know, it just suddenly he's wearing it. But it's like, why did he why was he drawn to that coat? You know, I wanted to see that It's the same with with Celine being introduced in general. I wanted to see with their first that first meeting. OK, fine. Yeah, they didn't yeah. do the mirror world. I understand. But um I don't know. I wanted to see her. I really hope that they don't skip that world, though. I really yeah. hope that or maybe not that world, but I really hope they don't skip the portal stones right. because that is one of my favorite sequences in the whole series is I win again, lose Theron, you know, yeah. uh, the the flicker scene 
Right. No, I mean, I, th- I think the flicker scene's so iconic, but I almost feel, I feel like they're setting it up instead with Nynaeve's accepted test, you know, that they're really pushing the yeah. boundary of, is this actually just a different reality, which makes it so much more tragic. Um, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's that, but also just this like repeated losing of Rand really sets the stakes for the series, right? There's a million ways he can lose and one way he can win. Right. And that that really changed the tone of the series for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that in general, the show has been getting a bit more adult and a bit darker, and I, I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, generally, I like that. I, th- I think my, my biggest complaint is they're, like, over-sexing everyone. They're like... Oh, we have to have another Game of Thrones sex scene, and so. I, but it's right. not at all a Game of Thrones sex scene because. Well, it's a lot it's, more consensual. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> there's that, but then it's also you know they they set it up and they just give you like a, a glimpse. You know, like I like how they handle the Alana thing. We just see first of all, but I don't like that. Why is Egwene being so prudish about it? it makes sense for ninety, but anyway. Um, but you just see like a okay, glimpse yeah. of it, and then yeah. they cut away, or with um, with with Rand and and Celine, um. I love that line when they're in bed together and uh, she says, I guess that's just what we'll have to be to each other. You know, I, right. You help me remember. I help you forget. Yeah. Um, this toxic know, relationship. <laughs> there's a lot of people shipping them and they're going to, they're going to enjoy that part of it. <laughs> boy. Oh boy. Yeah. So he, he never, I, I I'm going to skip ahead now because mm-hmm. I now, now you have me wanting to talk about Celine Lanfear and Rand they never get together in the books that that's not a thing. They never have a relationship other than Rand having right. a crush on her. Right. Yeah. So this, I mean, but she, it's not just Rand having a crush on her. It's also, it's the same with what they're hinting at so far in the show that she was in love with the previous, his previous life. Right. And she's transferring that onto him. Um, yeah. And so that, that I think is consistent. It's just they've taken the physicality of their relationship a step further, like they did with him and Egwene. But I don't, I don't see a problem with that. I think that makes it more realistic, although I am, like, mad on Egwene's behalf, you know, why is, she's, like, celibate in the tower at being a maid and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Egwene, I, I'll say I read her not as being prudish, but more as being hyper-focused and tense about her training, and she can't yeah. see anything past that. No, that's, that's what true. I saw is she's frustrated that she's asking a question about a weave. And oh, Alana's yeah. Like, no, that part. That part. Oh, is. well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know why. Alana. <laughs> I don't know why Alana went on that tangent. No, I'm with Which is not appropriate for your yeah. student. But anyway, I'm also an eager beaver in the classroom. So that's one of the reasons why Gwen's one of my favorite characters. But OK. OK. Um, fair enough. Speaking of uh, one of my other favorite characters, Moraine, and I have to say, it's been tough to watch her these first three episodes. I mean, I don't think yeah. there's anything wrong in the writing. I think that that's this is the part of the journey that they're on right now, and they're showing more her complexities. Because mm-hmm. um, they also, you know, they show good sides of her, like how she got the better of uh, Bale Dumont. Right, um, right. But she's just, she's being awful to Lan, and I hate to see it. Yeah. By the way, Bale, they nailed the Ilium accent. Yes. They nailed it. I love that, and it's it's so good. It do be good. Yeah, I saw I saw this before um, before like they did the casting announcement, and you know first like someone from Ilian, I was like, <gasps> and then he walks in and he was like, I do be uh, waiting a long time or whatever he said. I was like, <gasps> oh my god, <laughs> yeah, 
very yep. excited. He's they he's one of job. my favorites. Yeah. 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 So speaking of Moraine, I want to bring up, did, are they changing the way they say the name in the show? Because when I, I read the books, I thought it was Moraine. They like, uh-huh. you basically just don't say the I. Then in the first season of the show, everybody oh. was saying Moiraine. Oh, I say Moiraine. M- Moiraine. Like I say the Moiraine. Moiraine. Yeah. Kind of, but okay. not, not as like hard as that. I say like Moiraine. Moiraine. Yeah. So it's, it sounds more like Moiraine, but it's like Moiraine. Right. It's, like it's in there in my head when I'm saying it, but I don't know how <laughs> much I'm pronouncing it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I just noticed that this season, everyone's calling her Moraine, like very straightforward without okay. the I. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I wonder if they had a discussion. They were like, we're confusing everyone with the I. Let's just drop it. Let's just go Moraine. Uh, it's easier to say. I don't know. I haven't noticed that. See, when you say it like that, like I hear that the I is missing when you're saying it. And that to me doesn't sound it. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Well, I, I'm going to keep an eye on this. I'm going to okay. I'm going to track right. the Moraine, Moraine, yeah. Moiraine. Yeah. So I've, I've been saying Moiraine in our podcast because yeah. that's how they did it in the first season, and I trained myself to yeah. match the show. But now I'm like doubting myself. Yeah. Well, me and uh, the pronunciations uh, of of all the characters. Like I just figured out. I mean, and I should know this. It was in the glossary, but I've been calling him Mazram Tame the whole time, and they're like Taim. I was like, Oh yeah, Taim. Oh yeah, duh. Of course it is. Yeah, I've had the advantage of both doing the Kindle books and the audiobooks, yeah, which done has audiobooks. really helped me solidify. Because otherwise, I'd be just the same boat as you. Yeah. Just hearing uh, the Michael and Kate say the names over and over again has really helped. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of the names, I stumble over. There's um. There's, they also mentioned Cad Swain, who I always think of as Cad Swana in my head. I like that pronunciation oh, yeah. better. But, but um, they mentioned her and uh, Elaine says to Egwene, you know, side by side rooms. This is where Cad uh, Swain met. And it sounds like she says Elena Patag. But I went down a rabbit hole trying to figure out like yeah. who this is or what this is. And I can't find anything. I did the same thing. I, I don't remember what I looked up, but I tried to figure out what she was saying. We don't have subtitles, yeah. to be clear, on yeah, the screeners. Yeah, I missed the which subtitles, is a shame. for sure. But, um, and that I will compliment Apple, because they do subtitles on their screeners, whereas mm. uh, Amazon, get your subtitles going. But anyway. Yeah, Apple's, anyway. Apple's good for accessibility. I'll give them that. They are. They even have a screeners app on, like, the Fire TV and stuff like that, which is nice. Yeah. But anyway, all right, enough about... Enough about the tech behind <laughs> the magic. But Katsuine and this mysterious woman, again, yeah, I looked it up. I couldn't find anything. But I am glad that they dropped her early because now I think that they're going to include her early. Right. I think it's going to be Shora Agdashlu. That would be great. That is uh, from The Expanse, right? She was Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is another name that I read differently in the books and I can't get in the in the show. I read it as Avasarala. Right. And I think in the show they said Avasarala. Avasarala. Yeah. Okay. And so whatever you want to say about that name, that is her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, I think she would be perfect for that character. Yeah. And and it's also, do you think we're going to get Taim this season? Mm, Maybe. They are. They have name dropped him and they are setting up all these false dragons, but it does seem like we have a lot to do. Yeah. We have a lot to do, though. I know. I know. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and we've also got uh, some some new things uh, threads added in, like uh, Leandrin and her son. Which yeah, that's new. Uh, it's been this. We're recording this like the day after the big Eludrin freak out of Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like you and I know the answer, but we can't right. help anyone. Yeah. Yeah, people are so they made a casting announcement that, uh, and they showed you know an older man playing a character named Eludrin, and everyone's freaking out that it's Eludra from the books. Um, but yeah, no, it's this is, and I had to. They don't even say his name in the first. Uh, he appears no, only in don't. the second episode, and they don't say yeah. his name. I saw his name in the credits. I was like, oh god, who's that? Looked up the actor, went through each of the scenes until I finally matched the face with it's Leandrin's son. Yeah, so that's again. I think you said this on our private chat, but that is a silly naming choice right. for this universe. I even like in my head, I'm like, well, what if they made a younger version of him have a Ludra's story in the past? But I'm like, whoa, stop the mental gymnastics. Why? That just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think I think they just picked a similar name. Yeah, but I wonder if they're going to skip out on a Ludra's plotline in the show, or just name somebody else. You know, give give her a different name. I. I think that's one of the characters it would be a mistake to skip because Mm -hmm. she's, I mean, I know the showrunner Rafe Judkins went around and asked everybody, like asked a bunch of people, what are the most memorable things from the books for you? And um, I'm sure that that's a character who came up a lot. She's one of my personal favorites. So maybe I have a bias, but I think a lot of other people feel the same way. No, she's very cool. And and I like how, you know, later in the Camelin plotline, which I'm sure we're going to skip most of because it is for a lot of readers like the, the one of the least favorite plotlines, the Camelin succession plotline. Mm-hmm. But this idea of you've just changed warfare in this world, you've just changed the world with this device with the dragon. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I think. I think that actually that's a plot line that I think about a lot uh, because okay. I think I, but I think it's something they're going to have to like, not make it a major focus, but just kind of thread it through in the background. Um, yeah, that would be fine. I, th- I think that the reason people don't like it as much is that it is primarily contained in books that don't contain a lot of movement for the main plot. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. But for me, the, that was one of the more interesting things in those books, but it's also, I'm like really interested in, you know, mechanical history like that. Um, yeah. Like yeah. I guess it just, it feels smaller when you have this last battle coming, when you have the fate of the world coming and you're like, who's going to wear the crown in Andor? Yeah. But it's also, it's one of the things that I hope that they lean into even more in the books is uh, threading in the idea of how these, this, you know, world is a turning of the same of our world too, you know, where we are an age in their forgotten past but it is the same world that goes through these things over and over and over again. Right. Um, right. And of course, yeah, in a TV show, you're not going to dedicate like a main plot line to that. But if that's something they can see through in the background and the world building with the tools that were given to them in the book, I think that would be great. Yeah, I think I think that that would be a good decision. So uh, one character who I think was maybe like the best casting choice of the entire show so far is Elaine. Uh, what did you okay. think of this? I thought Elaine? you were going to say Sheriam because that was next on your list. Um, oh, but I no. love the casting of Sheriam actually. Yeah, I, I, it's the casting of Sheriam is fine with me, but it's the characterization that I'm struggling with um, because what, Sheriam. Yeah. Sheriam in the books. Okay, so again, we're like full book spoilers here, guys. Um, 
But so Sherry, what stands out about her is she's such like a warm sisterly presence. Mm-hmm. And then you find out she's like Black Aja, but not even like Vera in Black Aja, but like, you know, has a blacker yeah. heart. Yeah. Um, and with this Shiriam, I don't know why they've given her, the, when I saw the actress, I was like, oh, she could ha- really have that warmth th- that also has this iciness underneath. Um, but they've only given her character in the show the icy part. So I'm. Interesting. I, I, I did not get that. I okay. thought that she did have a little bit of the warmth, especially how she's advocating to not have Nynaeve do the tests and whatnot. And I mean, I, I don't I thought that she actually was advocating for Nynaeve to do the, the test. I thought she yeah. she was she was like pushing Alana on it. And I thought it was interesting that it seems like it's the black Aja that was really pushing for Nynaeve to do the test. And then when Nynaeve went to do the test and she was like, OK, I'm going to do it. There was like this look on Leandrin's face like she kind of didn't like that you know like she thought that um like she was worried about her you know she had to push for it like it was her task but then she was actually worried when Nynaeve was going to go through with it did you pick that up at all I didn't pick that up and I am very curious about what you're saying here which is that the Black Aja are the ones pushing Nynaeve to move up like why yeah, I noticed also in when they had that scene in the courtyard where they were talking about it, um, there was a lot of Black Asian measure, uh, members. We had um, Landrin, we had uh, we had Shiriam, we had um, oh, what's what's the name of the of the character who's played by the bald actress? Um, I'm not starts sure. with an I, but anyway, also Black Aja. Um, oh, okay, I didn't realize. Yeah. yeah. I only know that because of the casting news, but yeah. Oh, okay. So, but it's it's just very interesting that there is uh, they're seeding a lot of Black Asia people and putting them in our faces right up front. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's fun to watch David watch these because he has no idea who people right. are, and I get to be like. So uh, my my uh, mildly interesting comment for this season is the wheel weaves. If I know something and I can't, I just can't right. say something. I just say the wheel weaves and we move on. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've been saying that a lot these first couple episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah, or yeah, the the famous one from uh, Ray, from um, Robert Jordan is uh, well, it was read and find out. So it's watch and find out. Waffo, Waffo, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I know I've so far overall like I've been on board with most of the changes, you know, I think that it was very clever to give Van Dien's part to Viren, um, because that's going to really also help enrich Viren's journey later when, again, big spoiler alert, uh, Adelaide dies. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad we're going to get more of Elias, but I also have like a an obsession with wolves, so I'm really eager for that story to get going. <laughs> right, right, um, yeah. I, I do like that they're bringing more Elias in, because that was something that I was I was honestly frustrated when Perrin had no wolf mentor for right. like six books and then Elias just finally shows up again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's yeah. I mean, Huron's he's he, he's a very lovable character, but I can mm-hmm. see why uh, if you're going to fold two characters together, that just makes a lot of sense. Also, um, my question is, are they also going to fold in Perrin's other wolf mentor? into mm. Elias. No, I don't think so. I think cuz I think that he plays a different role. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um 
Yeah, and uh, I also I, I like how they ha- are seeding things like, for instance, um, we got introduced to Bale in a different way, obviously. You know, in the books he's introduced um, in the beginning, you know, he helps them right. escape from um, from Shadar Lagoth. And now we have him showing up to haggle with Moraine, which was a great scene for Moraine. But then also at the end, she's sending him exactly on the journey where we're going to pick him, you know, where we pick him up in the books uh, with yeah. with uh, the shadow spawn on his tail and everything like that. Um, so the, another thing in there is the Kyrian location of the Broken Seal. Mm-hmm. Is that saying that that's how Leandrin ended up in Kyrian? It was the moon uh, not, gate. Not Leandrin, I'm sorry, Lanfear. Uh, yeah, Lanfear, Lanfear, yeah. It was the moon gate, so, yeah. I yeah. Okay, I, I didn't catch that, the moon gate. That's funny. Yeah, I really want to know what's in that poem, but, I, yeah, I noticed, I noticed, hmm, moon gate, Kyrian. Oh, but you know what? Somebody has been, well, now there's a popular thing. They just announced um, the casting of the Gleeman that we saw in Kyrian. Okay. Which, first of all, yeah, they they did the patchwork coat, so I hope everybody's happy with that. Oh, that's good, that. yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, pe- some people were, as soon as he was cast, they're like, could this possibly be Asmodian? Um, or Asmodian, that's another one. I'm like, which way should I pronounce it? I think Asmodian. That, that's yeah. how they say it in the audiobooks, at okay. least. Okay, okay. Um, but could it be because, you know, he goes undercover as a gleeman and, you know, uh, becomes the ally of Lanfear. Could that could they be setting that up by having this glee man there? Yeah, they are allied right away in the books, and then mm-hmm. eventually Lanfear kind of betrays him and right. goes, "All right, go be his tutor, go right. figure it out." Right. So yeah, do, that's do you... a good question because Lanfear is goading him into channeling. Right, she's mm-hmm. goading Rand into channeling, and so she wants him to sort of be comfortable with it. What better way than to get him a teacher? Since that's, right. I mean, we know Rand's actively looking for that. He was hoping that it would be Loghain, who is as much of a jerk in this as he in, is in the book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, but Loghain, he he grows a lot, but um, I don't know. He, yeah, he was sounding very, a little bit incel in this last episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Loghain, he grows a lot, but then at the in the last battle, he like almost does the very wrong thing. And yeah, then, okay last minute decides to do the right thing. So yeah. I'm glad he did that. I'm glad he did that. He goes down in history as a hero. Yeah. But, but I guess it was very yeah. close. <laughs> I mean, but I guess, yeah, he, they're setting him up so that he's going, of going to be of questionable morality the entire show, which is yeah. like, he basically, he becomes the good guy just in comparison with Taim. Right. Right. He's just, le- he's just not outwardly dark. Right. He's not ac- outwardly evil. He's just, He's just selfish, kind of but he's not evil, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Oh, and one thing we absolutely have to talk about is, um, so I was so delighted with the portrayal of Uno. I know. Oh, <sighs> people are going to freak. I am actually mad at Rafe for that. I think that yeah. was a waste. That was a waste. I mean, I, I understand. I understand why it was done because, you know, they can't keep all of the characters and I'm glad and probably he got more of a chance to shine because of that. Um, Because if you think about like who has more important um, pieces of the overall story to tell, um, it's not necessarily Uno. So I can see where they, right? yeah, why they would make this decision. And by doing that, you know, with a, 
beloved character like that, they really established the threat of the Shanchan. That's true. But now I never get to see him struggle to not curse in front of Moraine. <laughs> which always cracked me up. The Yeah. He's the f- bloody dra- <laughs> he's, he like can't <laughs> he he has to keep stopping himself. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um I mean, yeah, that, that's a tough one. And uh, I have to say, when I watched that scene, I had to pause and like go for a walk before I could continue the episode. Fair enough. There wasn't much episode left after that, was there? That no. Was, that was towards no. the end, yeah. Yeah, it was almost done, yeah. Yeah. The Ingtar stuff was really interesting to me because it does seem to be having an, a divisive effect between book readers and non-book readers because I'm reading that as it is, which is he has sympathy for dark friends because he is a dark friend. Mm-hmm. Then David, I said, well, you know, what do you, what do you think about him defending, you know, insisting yeah. on the burial? And he goes, seems like a very mature guy who's just, uh-huh. you know, every, everyone deserves a burial and no matter what they did. And I was like, man, this show is actually doing its job. That's, yeah. that's good. That's good writing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, because I, I, I immediately clocked that, you know, because I was saying in our last discussion, I was like, oh, what if it was him at the social, which obviously it wasn't, it was that other guy. Um, but yeah, and I, so I immediately was like, oh, well, he's thinking of himself. He's like, I don't want to be just left to the wolves and just, you know, um, right. I, I'd mistreated and all that Uh but yeah, it, he, and he keeps saying to Perrin, like, you might not like to think it, but there might be a reason that he's doing that. So we're definitely going right. to get Ingtar's reason. Right. Yeah, I think in the books it was he was trying to ensure the safety of Shinar, right? Right. Which uh, was not a very good choice. That was not, <laughs> that's not how you ensure the safety of anybody. No, you don't, you don't let the enemy in. That's no. Right. But I think, yeah, we're definitely going to see that redemption arc that, uh, yeah. that you were wondering about. Um, what do you think, do you think Leandrin's story is going to go down the same way? Because they're adding so many more layers of complexity where you know, she's really a, um, she really hates men. <laughs> she does. Like, and you can see she takes it out on Matt, but then of course she has her son who she obviously loves very much. And her behavior with Nynaeve especially is just really making her sympathetic. Yeah. Well, also, but she lashed out at Nynaeve, I think. Nynaeve is pissing her off and Egwene really is pissing her off. Yeah. So I think what they're going to have happen is Egwene's going to piss her off enough to give her to the Shanshin. Okay. Whoa. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, Nynaeve, I think Nynaeve just pissed her off because Nynaeve told her, pointed out to her that she was hurting her son. And she, yeah, yeah. and part of her will appreciate that, but she also just hates being told that by someone, you know. A novice, so, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. 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 And what do you think it's up with her and Min? Like she's Great got, question. Yeah. <laughs> she must have something over Min. Yeah. Well, she said something like, um, Moraine will be after us both unless you do this thing. Whatever. I don't know, maybe this she thing has her convinced that Moraine is black Aja. Maybe. I mean, because there was some also some tension between Min and Moraine in the uh, last season in the bar when we saw them and uh, right. something, I mean, it's definitely something to do with her having visions and whatever her background is in Tarvalon, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Although now we know she accidentally ended up in Tarvalon. Right. <laughs> well, I think she accidentally ended up, she said she was avoiding it because she grew up there. 
but I think oh, she it. accidentally okay. ended yeah. up back there after she left uh, Shinar. Right. Um, do you Fun. do you think that they that she and Matt are flirting? Um, I think she is being flirty because she's trying to get something out of him. Okay. And as we know, Matt is not the strongest around women he thinks is attractive. Yeah. I'm wondering if um, they might add some extra uh, love triangle dynamics to emphasize the degradation and relationship between Rand and the other boys. There is no need for any more angles <laughs> in Rand's relationships. Right. No no more angles. We already added Lanfear and Egwene. Like, Egwene was well, never an, yeah. a, a full romance in the books. It was... Yeah, we were promised to each other. I, I honestly like it better that way. I wish they didn't have them, you know, in a full relationship. Oh, I, because... I, disagree. I disagree. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I think I, it makes like more the... sense this way. Okay. I, I liked it better as his promising to Egwene, unofficial promising, was part of his shire, you know, part of his, I want to go back to this simple life where everything was worked out for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas they're like... A little bit secret relationship adds a little bit of darkness to Emmons Field that I don't think it needs. I really wish they had made well, Emmons Field more a secret, of the Shire. It wasn't a secret relationship when they were in Emmons Field. Okay, it was, okay. It was just that she yeah. was going to have to give it up because apparently in this version, the wisdom, wisdoms right? yeah. don't marry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although I thought in the books they often didn't either. Yeah, I can imagine that. You, uh, also, like I can just imagine it would be said. the type of woman who might not like. Um, well, I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah. Sort of like um, I said, I like they can marry, but they're yeah. so busy. They're so, you know, in their work that they often don't. That's not their uh, main concern in life. Um, right. But yeah, speaking of Rand's loves, uh, do you think we're going to meet any, we know we're getting um, Galad, Gawain, and Aleda, and I think more gays. Do you think they're, we're going to meet them this season or do you think uh, not until season three? I think I think Galad and Gowan this season, Elida not until season three. And Morgay okay. is not until season three. Okay. I think yeah, we'll we have know... a similar thing of bringing, you know, sending Matt there. I, I, I like that scene where we sort of see another Forsaken. I don't think it will be. Now I can't even remember the name of the Forsaken that was there because he was so unimportant. <laughs> uh, in Camelin? Yeah. Um, no, I, I actually was just rereading that. <laughs> Robin. For, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Robin. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, I don't even know if we'll get Robin. We'll see. No, I think, I think they'll sub him out for somebody else. Maybe, maybe they'll do some mail there yeah. and take away yes. the whole, um, Ilium plot line. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, so it was speaking of min's uh yeah i was just thinking about uh, speaking of matt and min um min's vision with matt's stabbing rand what do you mm -hmm. think that's about i mean that seems that's obviously going to be some sort of fake out we know I think it's gonna be a flicker yeah okay i think it's a flicker I, it's a perfect excuse to you know wipe that away but still have it make sense because be we know that disguised in the books as rand I don't know, because in the books, this is my thing with the flicker. In the books, Matt comes out and he's like, I would never betray you, right, Rand? So we know that he mm -hmm. saw something where he betrayed Rand. Okay. So okay. I wonder if we'll see Matt have a flicker of that. You know, we'll go, we'll flash between different characters involved in the flicker. 
But would Min see a vision from a flicker, though? Or does she only see visions from our reality or, you know, the main reality? I don't know, because if Matt experiences it, doesn't it become part of our reality? It gets a little wibbly wobbly time to wind Right. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we also got another uh, we got another iconic moment from the book, which was the the fade um, on the door, which yes. I actually found yeah. it was very cool. But like the fade fight and the episode right before that was even cooler. Yeah. Well, I think I think that was actually really effective because you have these terrifying fades in episode right. one. Episode two, you come in and you're like, oh, well, you know, those terrifying things. Well, this one got, you know, right. hung and and crucified by something else. What it's else is there out there that like ups the stakes there? Yeah. Do you think we're going to see other um, like dark creatures? Uh, we haven't seen any of the Drakkar or like. Right. You know, I, I, think... We gotta. We gotta. Because yeah. the last battle can't just have fades and Trollocs things that we've seen since season one. And the Shan Chang creatures, too, are also right. really cool sounding. Yeah, I hope so. I hope we do. But yeah. I loved I loved the intro of the Shan Chan in general, like just having them pull them out of their beds in the middle of the night. And, um, yeah, and we got Suroth. We got yeah. we got a name drop. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And Alwyn, her voice, um, who I expected to be louder for some reason, but it's kind of, I guess, it more menacing in a way that she's like, I'm just going to speak like this and you all <laughs> shall listen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I did enjoy all their costuming. It was very. It was just very strange and alien, you know. Yeah, in a good way. Like, it, yeah, it exactly. Just, it it almost it was completely non-functional, right? Which well, is what made it kind of. Well, like, you mean the nails? What? Yeah, the nails and the mask where you can't see the eyes and. But she can see out. Yeah, fair enough. But I, I guess it's just like don't even look at my eyes. You you yeah. can't see my eyes. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, that's I I like that because it uh, communicates that visually, and also it's probably easier for the actress because I know it's hard not to look at someone who's talking to you. <laughs> right. But I, I yeah I like how in the books they keep describing their armor as bug like, and I really see that. Um, but it also looks like there's a lot of like Asian influences in it, but also a lot of Native American influences in it. And yeah, like those yeah. melded together and that really creates something. Well, Shan Chen uh, is supposed to I've be seen. basically like America, right? Right. Geogra exactly. That's what I think about that's, it. That's North America. And it also they they did not bring that in the Texan accents into the show. Well, but I, I think they kind of did, like especially um, all in the voice, like she was like. And I am speaking like this, you okay. know. I, I I didn't I didn't hear that that much, but mm -hmm. I'll keep looking out for it. Yeah, it was. I mean, because they didn't speak that much, and but she was definitely doing it more than um, the actress playing uh, Suroth. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not like you know the Office. That's Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I think yeah they didn't want to make it like too on the nose Texan. Well, here now we are the yeah. Shanch, and yeah, and that would have been a little silly. And it's also it's an entire continent, so I can imagine that uh, accents would vary. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I just I'm just thinking about the books, kind of yeah, describing their drawl like that almost. Yeah, I, I actually hate the way that they do it in the audiobooks. It's, okay, they like grit their teeth and they talk like this, and yeah, I don't know. I don't love that. I don't love that. It always took me out of it. Yeah. No, I, I liked, I thought this was uh, off to a good start and I'm really excited because I keep thinking of like certain 
scenes from the books when we, you know, get to see inside the power plays within the Shanchan and things like that. I'm really excited to see that. Yeah. I wonder if we'll get Nynaeve and Elaine's Shanchan friend. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Egenin. Um, I think we have to because uh, I think, you know, that's an important part of Bale's story. And now yeah, that he's yeah. been introduced. Um, and also that's one of the key allies that lets us see inside Shanchan culture. Right. But will they will they find a way to put that into Tuan's story and just not give Bale a wife? Um, why? Why do that? Because, I love their love story. <laughs> because he just he's he's got his Ilium accent and he just doesn't need a wife. No, I don't know. Um <laughs> I don't know, just to, for character condensation, for storytelling efficiency. I mean, I think it makes sense. I mean, because that's a, that's the biggest part of his story. What are they going to do with him otherwise? He could just be a nod. Like, we don't know how much they're going to use him right now. No, that's true. Oh, yeah. I he hope he it's could not. be ridden out after this scene, you know? Oh, no. Sorry. That, I mean, <laughs> at least at least have the courtesy of spiking his head so we know it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair oh. enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, we know, so I guess we have confirmation speaking of people written out that Agenor is written out. Um, and, um, I, I think that, you know, that makes sense. Um, we're cutting back on Forsaken, but also I liked so much that Nynaeve's accepted test in the book, her first part, when she goes through the first archway, that's for the past. And mm -hmm. in the book, it's about, um, her experience, you know, at that, the book equivalent of the battle that took place in episode eight. Right. Um, and I'm so glad they didn't go back to episode eight, but instead right. took the opportunity to go back to her childhood and pay off something they set off, set up last season and gave us real insight into her experiences. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a great ad adaptation choice. Um, the, the whole sequence of the arches was amazing. I, I, I loved episode one. I liked episode two. And I was a little worried coming out of episode two. I was like, are we on a downward trajectory here? Hmm. Then episode three came in and it came in hot. You know, it yeah. came in with the accepted test. I was like, oh, this is good. And the fake out was so yeah. good. Like, they really got me. They even got me. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've read the books. I know this. But they right. still like, because they showed her saying goodbye to Egwene. That's what I was realizing in my rewatch. That's how they really got me. Right. Yeah. They, they did like a full. So, you know, we, we just saw her come out at the end. Do you think she lived like years within this portal and then came out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's one of the reasons why I love it so much, because it's reminding me of some of my favorite episodes of television, like the Magicians episode, Life in a Day, where, you know, they uh, Elliot and Quentin live an entire reality in, in a separate timeline. And then oh, it's like beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time. Um, uh huh. Yeah. Um, that's, I think that's, I have a soft spot for that kind of story. There's also a MODOK episode that does that. The second one, um, uh, the, the MODOK that time forgot. And those yeah. are just good standalone episodes of television, even if you don't watch the rest of those series. Um, okay. I don't know that this qualifies as that because it's so tied into everything else, but I think that's, you know, it's because this episode, this was definitely my favorite of the three and it was doing so much, um, and doing it well, I think. Right. Yeah, it was. And I knew she was going to come out. So that tension wasn't there for me. But as far yeah. as I I thought that they were going to change her storyline to have her leave the tower for at least a period. I thought yeah. that that was happening. 
And I was really disappointed by that. So it was yeah, such a pleasant surprise to have her actually come out at the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but they really dragged it out for the non-readers, you know, having Egwene being told that she was dead. And um, yeah. there's people online freaking out that Egwene's going to go in there and save her. Um, yeah. But I think it's really nice that Egwene tries, mm-hmm. but she can't. Uh, and Elaine is there to kind of rein her in and be like, calm down, you're only going to hurt yourself. And yeah. then Nynaeve still saves herself, but they right. still have that bonding moment over it. Right. That Yeah, it, it worked really well for character moments, like you said, with Elaine, but also with Leandrin. It gives a motivation for Leandrin to pick Egwene to deliver to the Shanchans, mm. where um, I, I think in the books it was more, well, these are the most powerful channelers in the tower. But in the show, they have not been leaning into Egwene's power at all. They've mostly been saying, Nynaeve, you're really, really, really powerful. And I think it's for character motivations that yeah. it's a valid choice. But well, I know, think they're like Egwene, but, you know. Right. I mean, because I think they say in the books, right, Egwene would have been the most powerful channeler in a thousand years, but for Nynaeve. Yeah. And they, they do say that, for instance, like in the conversation between Shiriam and Alana, um, you know, Alana's rattling off like all these powerful people, you know, and she says, uh, like Nynaeve, Egwene, uh, Loghain, Taim. Um, so she includes Egwene in that list. Sorry, my wife was texting me about the baby, so I'm, oh, that's okay. I'm just uh, texting her back. Yeah, so they, they pay nod to it, but I think they're not stressing it so that they can have this whole jealousy plotline, which I think is valid because there is there is a period of time in the books for sure where Egwene is just pissed off that Nynaeve is always so ungrateful about her power and always right. always just like acting like she's still the wisdom of Emmons Field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and you can see from Nynaeve's angle... Uh, I mean, I am always in a, I relate to Egwene more in the books, but I see from a Nynaeve's angle, you know, she was in a position of power and now she's being put back on the bottom rung. So sure. she's eager to but that's, get that's, past that. That's just life, you know, you, yeah. you decide to leave your small pond for a big pond and that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, speaking of the channeling uh, stuff, so... One thing that's being discussed is Loghain and uh, he tells Rand that he can see other men who can channel rather than in the books seeing other Taviran. And I think that that makes sense for the show. Uh, I know some people are upset about it. Uh, What do you think? I like it. I like it. I'm into it. How would how are people upset about it? Um, Um, Yeah. Is there chatter? Yeah, there's chatter. Um, There's screener chatter. I mean, I think not from no, because they released that scene. As oh, okay, a, okay, okay. As a promo scene. Interesting. I was like, I was like, is there like this forum of people who have screeners? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you weren't invited. No. no. Yeah, yeah. No, um, just leave me out. But I've been actually, cast yeah, out of the I, tower. Go on. <laughs> I'm surprised by the scenes that they and what they've released. You know, because they've released now two scenes from episode three. They released a Rand fear clip that we haven't seen yet, so that must be at least episode four. Right. Um, I'm like, okay, stop, stop. You're like, let the people see the show. <laughs> yeah. I, I, again, I'm still baffled by their decision to release three on the first night. I, I, I could see, yeah. I think you said this, which is, I, it's better that they release three than two because three ends in a better spot, which is mm-hmm. absolutely right. But I think it would have worked better as weekly drop, you know, release yeah. episode one. That was a, that was a good opener. That I would have wanted yeah. to come back after that. Yeah, exactly. And with that fade fight. And now it's almost like the fade fight gets lost in the wave of everything that follows. Right. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. But 
it is what it is now. We have uh, nowhere else to go. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah. And I, I um, one other thing that I didn't bring up is I, um, I am one of the people who loves New Spring. It's one of my favorite books. And I love that they made so many overt references, just had, like straight up telling uh, Moraine and Loghain's story uh, from that book. Yeah, um, that was that was great. They actually told the, you know, throw in the pond story. Yeah, exactly. And exactly the way. And I know people are worried about um, about the cultural customs um, in Chenar of the older woman taking the younger boy into sex- sexual maturity. And they, yeah, not great. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they're going to talk about that more. Yeah, they, that might just be a nod to it. And, yeah. and we move on. And, and what that means that for the whole problem. Thailand story. Yeah, yeah, the Thailand. I I think that that's going to be very dampened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, or they just they make it as horrifying as it is. I think that's right. it's yeah, right. Yeah, it's a it's a question because you know it will make the show about that for a little while, right? Yeah, like yeah. it will take over the show for a little while if that happens. Be a lot of discourse about it, of course. Yes. Yeah. But they're leaning into the heartbreak, like, oh, man, having Nynaeve run out of that last test with her baby in her arms to find empty arms, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah that's really bad. That was that was rough. <laughs> rough, yeah, rough, rough. Do you think Whoa. it's going to be next episode we see Egwene captured by the Shancha? Oh, good question. Good question. I, I don't know. I think I think a little later. I think a little later in the season. I, I don't know if they're going to drag that out. Because it's not going to mm-hmm. be fun to watch Egwene in a gag the whole time. Right. Especially because there were no gags, I believe, in the books. I think some were gagged, right? Um, but right. this no, is they didn't have, very yeah. different. This is very different in the show. This is a lot more dehumanizing, even though it was very dehumanizing in the books. Yeah. And, but they um, don't have the physical leashes in the show. so That's no. true. That's true. I'm a, little, I'm a little disappointed because it makes it less clear that they are be- under the control I don't know. I feel like it's pretty clear. They shout the things and the and That's they're true. always the woman's just walking in front of them. Oh, that and that young woman who like did the creepy pointing thing, she was so good. Yeah, that was good. That was really good. Very horrifying, but I would mm-hmm. like to hear Egwene speak and not have her be gagged for four episodes. So yeah. I'm hoping that they do that later and they don't drag it out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. hoping I'm hoping they don't drag out that part. Even though in the books that was really when um, because Egwene, she learns, what she learns through that, how to manipulate, uh, like the earth elements, she becomes, um, unusually strong in that and earth yeah. and fire. And, um, and that also kind of sets her up, you know, obviously she's already obsessed with learning, but you know, she right. becomes the sort of exchange student around the world. <laughs> right. That, and, um, I, I, it increases her power a lot because she mm-hmm. just has, is forced to go further than she should. Right. And it sets up trauma that she has to work through throughout the series and becomes a big character development moment. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, this was a supposed to be 15 minute segment right. <laughs> about spoilers that is now closer to an hour. So I, I think we, it had to be because we're discussing three episodes this time. Usually we will be doing this once per episode and uh, and that'll be fine. That'll be fine. I think that will be slightly shorter <laughs> yeah no definitely yeah this is a, a lot of uh setting up the whole season with the new characters i'm just so glad that they just went ahead you know i was so excited with the first episode like wow they're already introducing bail here's viren already here's shiriam you know mm-hmm. yeah yep 
Well, Alicia, it's been a lot of fun talking to you about the Wheel of Time here at the White Tower, and we will see you next week. Enjoy, and uh, the wheel weaves as the wheel wheels. The Lorehounds Podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions, feedback, and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all our episodes at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond.